Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh man, it's good to be back in this seat on this microphone. Missed one show and I feel like it's been away for forever. But we are back here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell notification so you get notified whenever we have new content available to you. Also, stay up to date with the show when you're on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app. It's Operation Domination Time for Week 10. Week 10. That doesn't sound right. We're five games away from the fantasy football playoff starting, that's where we are right now, where strategies change, right? Because it's no longer just about trying to win your week-to-week and playoff positioning. Are you way ahead? Are you 7-2? and you know, two? Are you are you on your way to winning your division? Should you start making trades that maybe value-wise are equal, but matchup-wise benefit you more in the long run? Should you be taking stabs at handcuffs or on you on the other side, where your playoffs started now where you have to win every single game just for a chance to get there that's where the strategy this all comes into play and most fantasy football leagues you know your trade deadlines come around thanksgiving come around that week 12 period so we got a lot to get into not just for this week but some strategy that we're going to have for the upcoming weeks because it's that time i got my two co-hosts in the building we got adam larue and chris dowhauer how we doing fellas doing great there we go like the enthusiasm. <laughs> well, I think Adam's Adam's peeking ahead to the Thursday night game when he's it's hard to contain himself with excitement. Oh, it's gonna be um, electric. What are you talking about? Oh, the Chicago Bears, the Carolina Panthers, two wild animals taking on each other. Uh, that's that's the best way I could sell that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't which rookie think- quarterback's been more exciting to watch. That's gonna be the interesting part. <laughs> Tyson Patchen, <I'm laughs> <very> young. <laughs> the answer may shock you. <laughs> uh yeah i was i was hopeful we were going to get justin fields we're probably not going to get justin fields so it will be another week of tyson badgett but uh yeah let's go ahead and just get this whole thing started it is the carolina panthers and the chicago bears On the injury report list, we got Justin Fields. He's going to miss yet another week. Fun fact about Justin Fields, because I'm not going to talk to Brian Scott about this tomorrow because the game already be going on. But fun fact about him, he still 
has not been cleared for contact, which is why I was trying to figure out why there was all this hype about the potential of him playing this Thursday to begin with. Uh, because until he gets clear for contact, until he has a full practice under his belt, we're not going to see Justin Fields. And I don't think this is necessarily a situation in which we're going to see him next week either. So I wouldn't get too hopeful. Keep stashing him if you had him this entire time. Anyway, keep on the IR. His legs aren't hurt. As long as his legs aren't hurt, his fantasy upside is frankly still going to be there. Uh, as far as the other injury report goes, Cole Komet, knee Khalil Herbert ankle. Khalil Herbert listed as questionable, but did get listed as a full participant in practice all uh, week. Cole Komet, he has a knee issue. He's expected to be good to go. He was listed one earlier in the week. DJ Chark on the Carolina side is the only player of the Panthers not expected to be able to play tomorrow with an elbow injury. He's listed officially as doubtful. The Chicago Bears. Believe it or not, I have to double check this. So I, I thought this line was going to change because it seemed like a weird line, but no, I guess it. I guess it really hasn't changed. Chicago Bears are minus four heading into this game with an over under of thirty nine. Oh, I'm sorry, it changed to about three and a half. Whatever, no big deal. I thought that would go lower with the news about Justin Fields, but Tyson Badgett led Chicago Bears. It is in Chicago, but still are favored by three and a half points over the Carolina Panthers. And uh, right now, Chicago <laughs> has had five of their games go on the over, and Carolina's only won one game this year against the spread. I don't know if I'm going to be ballsy enough to bet Chicago minus three and a half with Tyson Badge as the quarterback. I don't care. This Carolina, but I will take the under at 39 that I will do. That's where I'm at with this game. Okay, fellas, who is the better rookie quarterback? Chris, so Tyson Badge or Bryce? <laughs> that's, I that's mean, I mean, you can definitely debate it, especially fantasy-wise. I mean, you saw Tyson Badgett using his legs, scrambling around, I think, at 70 yards rushing last week. Um, wasn't, you know, pretty necessarily, but was productive versus Bryce Young, who had three turnovers, two, you know, for the defense, four touchdowns off of. Um, so it's been Tyson Badgett so far. Although, Dan, in this game, I think that number's, you know, still skewed and actually Carolina in the game. I can't believe I'm going to uh -oh. pick the Panthers, but I think they actually the more talented team. Uh-oh. Chris is buckling, Adam. Chris is buckling. He's coming over to the Bryce Young side. He's going to the dark side. Don't let him go. It's drifting into the light. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I actually have Badger at 26, Bryce Young at 23 for what it's worth. This is the more important question for fantasy. We go to the running backs. Adam, help me out. You got Dante Foreman. Let's say Cleo Herbert is active. And you have Roshan Johnson, who looked like he got put on the back burner last Sunday. Who would, if you had to play one Chicago Bear, I know nobody wants to, but if you had to play one Chicago Bear, which one would you play? I feel like I, I would be on the Deonta Foreman side. Uh, I've historically been a Khalil Herbert guy. I like Khalil Herbert quite a bit. Um, but, I mean, let's just think about the circumstances. He's been playing really well. Um, so I, I feel like this is the type of staff that would ride the hot hand. And I'm not going to play Khalil Herbert coming off an injury anyways. Um, so if I'm playing one, it's got to be a Foreman. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I have him ranked at RB29 this week. Uh, Cleo Herbert, Roshan Johnson, both tucked away in my 40s. I'm not really looking at these guys. Uh, yes, Herbert is back. If he's back and he activated, he will have some sort of role. 
But we saw them kind of ease away from Roshan and his volume, what he had coming off of his injury. Khalil Herbert coming off a high ankle. We don't know exactly if he has his explosiveness back yet. Is he in football shape all the way after missing four weeks? And we do have a revenge game against Carolina. And the Carolina matchup is the only reason why we even need to figure this out in the first place, because otherwise I'd tell you not to touch it all together. But you want to try to see if you can figure out the guy who has the best chance for a touchdown. Maybe you head in that direction. Chris, on the other flip side, on the Carolina side, we saw some movement there in that backfield. Chuba Hubbard still was the lead guy, but Miles Sanders wasn't just left for dead on the bench. He looked like he took over the pass-catching role and was the more efficient running back as Chuba Hubbard continued to be inefficient with 3.6 yards per carry last week. Do you think this is going to switch back into a 50-50? Which one would you start this week? Yeah, I don't think it's been quite a 50-50 quite yet. I mean, I think it could be shifting back there. Miles Sanders did get paid a big amount of change, you know, to, to be the play, you know, a key part of this offense. Um, although we saw Chuba, you know, Chuba Hubbard be the guy last week, I think you just basically going to see what you saw last week and switching the roles. Uh, Chuba Hubbard was the pass catcher, was the early, you know, the guy who was kind of sprinkled in and was more effective guy early in the season. And Miles Sanders was the you know, early down guy who got all the carries. I think the roles kind of flip-flopped. Uh, Chuba Hubbard still has some value, though, because he just catch the ball, you know, somewhat, not quite as often as he was in the past concussion situation. So if I'm going to pick a guy, I'm going to go with Hubbard this week. Attended with Greg, got him an RB22. I'm just going to stick with the guy who's still getting the majority of the work until that changes. But we are keeping our eye on the Miles Sanders situation. You can't drop Sanders. And if you have Hubbard and you have Sanders, I understand that you want to have a splitting headache on your hands. But I would play Hubbard here for myself. Uh, Adam Thielen. Much lower than the ECR is on Adam Thielen this week. Still playing him. I got him at wide receiver 15. I'm not going crazy here. Relax, guys. I know. You guys all try to jump on me about Adam Thielen stuff. Even though, if I have to remind you, I am still the one who won the showdown, just to kind of go ahead and point that out. However, last two weeks, it, the usage, whatever. Two weeks ago, his usage was fine. Last week, the game got away from the Carolina Panthers. Their offense was completely inept. I'm not necessarily trying to hold that against Adam Thielen. What sticks out to me, though, is since the bye week, two weeks ago, his A dot is under five yards. So they went from targeting down the field a healthy amount, right? Because his A dot before that was about 10 yards. A good, healthy A dot with target share. Now, all of a sudden, the last two weeks, the offense has changed to where they're hell-bent on Mingo getting the ball down the field a little bit more, even though it's not working out. And Adam Thielen is only allowed to catch the ball within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That keeps happening. He's going to keep slipping because you can't really do much if you only catch the ball five yards of the line of scrimmage and you're Adam freaking Thielen. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Adam? Adam for Adam. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Where, where do you have him specifically? I definitely I think... I got him at 15. Okay. Like, yeah, 15. I think that's fine. Uh, I, I think things you are... You at six, though. That's, that's what you're trying to... Like, they got him, like, you're like, you're a mid-wide receiver one this... Like, that's that's too far. Yeah, mid-wide receiver one is tough. I, I think that's expecting a lot more from this offense uh, than I, I would. I, I, this offensive line is tough, and I know he's been able to overcome this for a while. Um, but I don't know. I, the Bears matchup as a whole, like, I kind of get it. Um, but having him much more than a low-end one, I think, is rich for me. Um, but things are trending down. I, I still think that uh, he's still going to be a very, very playable asset moving forward, um, but maybe not a mid-tier one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Well, we have to watch this, though, because this continues. He's going to drift further and further 
down my board. Uh, DJ Moore, somebody that without Justin Fields, I can't be overly confident about playing this guy either. He started kind of at 14, got 22. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm bearing a lot of guys in this game. <laughs> I don't think that should be a surprise given the matchup, but I am. DJ Moore, since Fields has been out, has been wide receiver 42. And while Carolina is a great matchup for the running backs, they've only given up the six fewest points to the wide receiver so far this season. Chris, I still think you probably have to play DJ Moore, but is he really a must start in your mind? I mean, I think you look around the rest of the league, yes. Um, especially the buys this week, you have different situations you're kind of dealing with at receiver. You're looking for a guy that's going to has an upside. And of all the guys who has upside in, on his Bears offense is DJ Moore, a guy who, you know, had you know, almost a 300 yard game week two or week three, what I think it was. So this is a guy that's going to be featured in a passing attack. I know he hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been what you're looking for. Carolina is a tough matchup, but I don't know who you're going to play over your, you know, over DJ Moore in your lineup this week. I mean, that's fair. We got, we got what the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Rams. The, those are the four teams. That's a lot of fantasy players. They, like, we've had other weeks where we've had more teams on by. We have other weeks with four teams on by. I don't know if we had any other weeks that I can think of where the elite of the elite fantasy football talent is all on by at the same time. So it does make a little bit of a void there. And the consistent guys, Dan, just to point yeah. out real quick, like the Tyreek sure. Hills of the world, the guys who are getting you the points week in, week in, as those true number ones, while some of the number ones aren't necessarily doing that. Sure. Uh, Cole Komet, somebody you can play as a top 12 tight end. I got him at 13, but he's in that territory, depending upon what your options are. And you guys got any other notes you want to talk about in this game? I mean, the one thing I would uh, darts throw, maybe more so DFS, is Darnell Mooney's been kind of more involved in this offense. As you kind of alluded to, DJ Moore hasn't been necessarily as effective, but Darnell Mooney might be a guy that you see, you know, give a big opportunity in this game if, as other receiver, gets kind of less attention in this Carolina defense. Yeah, sure. I'm fine with that as a showdown DFS on Thursday night. Absolutely take that shot. All right, let's go to our next matchup. <laughs> We got the Colts and the Patriots going to Germany this week. How do you feel about having to wake up early to watch your Colts there, Adam? An exciting game. I don't mind it, and I think it's about when uh, – I, th- I think it makes sense for me because I don't really want to watch uh, the Colts game when other games are on. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to be on red zone. I prefer red zone than a Colts game at this point. Um, but if it's the only thing on, then I, I-, I feel a lot better about watching the whole game. <laughs> Uh, you're the only one, you and your Colts fandom, I think are the only ones that actually feel that way about this matchup. So we got the Colts are actually favored on the road at minus one and a half in this matchup, 43 and a half on the over under. I gotta admit that's a bigger over under than I thought it was going to be considering how many 37, 38, 39s we've been getting so far this season. Patriots are one in five against the spread when they are the underdog. So guess what, Adam, I'm going to throw you a bone. And I'm going to cash in on the Indianapolis Colts winning this game by more than a point and a half. And I'm not going to watch the game because I don't want to. No, I actually I have to watch the games. I got to remind you, Steve is at a couple of leagues, unfortunately. Speaking of, let's let's just go skip right to that. Because unless you're in two-man, two-QB leagues, you're not playing Minshew. You're not even stiffing Mac Jones this week. So Ramondre Stevenson finally has a good game, right? Against Washington. Looked great. Looked fantastic. 64-yard touchdown. Finally got six targets. He still couldn't get double-digit carries in a game in which the Patriots were in a neutral game script for most of the time and playing well. You still had to give Zeke 
way too much of a role, who does absolutely nothing for your offense. Ramondre Stevenson, 87 yards, and you still only gave him nine carries because that is what the Patriot offense is. And I'm going to go off on Arthur Smith later. Don't you guys worry because I have to meet my quota like I do every single week. But everybody must go off on Arthur Smith. Belichick and Brian, Bill O'Brien, whatever the hell his name is, who cares, is screwing up just as much as Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons are. That's my take on it. So from that standpoint, Chris, I am trying to sell Ramondre while he had a good game, while people are dealing with buys and having to fight for playoff spots. That's what I'm trying to do. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't hate on it. I'm not sure what you're necessarily going to get back in return. I would. When you what about Ramondre every- for Bijan? Well, I'm saying people were floating that deal exactly out. I saw that all over the place today. Oh, yeah, I definitely take that. There you go. Off right now, like they're that pissed off. Or one good game for Ramondre could actually get you Bijan Robinson at the moment. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to throw that out that I saw that. Yeah, well, put me in those leagues. I'm all about that (laughs) trade. I'll pull that all all day, every day. Um, But other than getting Bijan Robinson, you might want to wait a week and get rid of Ramondre Stevenson just because I think it is a smash matchup versus Colts defense, who doesn't have Zero Franklin probably again this week. Um, that's pretty much their only linebackers who, who stops the run for them. Um, Campbell's been banged up. So, not Campbell. Um, sorry, Buckner's been banged up. So, Big this is suspended. Yeah. So, this Colts defense yeah. is, is going to be a little bit light. Um, the Bill O'Brien factor always makes it exciting where we're not going to have like a buck 50 that like we probably could have for Ramondre Stevenson, but we actually should have production out of Ramondre Stevenson. So at the running back position, you're pretty happy if you get that. No Kendrick Bourne. Your best receiver is Pop Douglas, who's also banged up too, by the way, going into this week limited. Your best offensive player, hands down, can barely get more than 15 opportunities. It just drives me nuts. It drives me absolutely nuts. Speaking of the other side, Jonathan Taylor he does get the opportunities now. Finally got up to his 75% of the snap and half. 75 and a half, is that what he said? Except for the second half. Except for the second half. Well, mm, He only had six catches last week after the second half. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yes, that was doing a game script too. But 75% of the snaps in this game, 19% for Zach Moss. Zach Moss looked like he was just a handcuff. I have Jonathan Taylor as my number six running back heading into this week against New England Patriots because he looks like he's ready to just be John the Taylor. Taylor. Adam, do you have what do you think about this backfield? Are we moving away from Zach Moss being a low end RB2? Is he becoming just a handcuff or you still think he's going to be hovering around that territory where maybe you're flexing him, maybe you're RB2ing him? I think he's going to fall out of RB2 consideration, but I think he will remain a flex play. Um, I mean, I, I think his role is going to stay to an extent, one, because I, I don't think they're delusional enough to really uh, just give Jonathan Taylor crazy volume. Uh, and I think that, especially in a lost season, more or less, without your quarterback. Uh, and I also think they're going to run the ball quite a bit uh, throughout the second half of the season. Um, of, you know, Try to avoid turnovers and the like. Um with all of that having been said, I think that there's going to be room for both of them. I think Zach Moss is going to get carries, but I think Jonathan Taylor can be a one that you're confident in week in, week out, especially given the state of the position. The state of the position is the key. I have him at RB31 this week, so I still have him that flex territory because if you look at the other guys that I have in there, and that ECR for the most part has in there, it's not just me. You're talking about guys like A.J. Dillon, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, the, the Texan running backs, both of them. 
so yeah, like even if his share is going to continue to decrease into kind of this 25 to 35% range with Jonathan Taylor, he's still getting enough touches where he's on par with the rest of those guys. We've been ranking somewhere in the top 40 to begin with too. So I tend to agree with you. I think ultimately though, your hope would be a good team would be that you're holding him more as a handcuff, not as somebody you have to actually have to play. I think we're at that point where I don't necessarily want to play Zach Moss unless I absolutely have to. Uh, will we have to move on here? We got Ezekiel. Speaking of Ezekiel Elliott, I got him at RB34 this week. Ho-hum, whatever. Michael Pittman, we're playing him. I got him as a top 12 receiver this week, especially with Josh Downs, very, very questionable to play this week. If he's out, we're going to have a lot of targets heading towards Michael Pittman's direction, so his floor will definitely be there. Demario Douglas, we have to keep an eye on his injury this week i'm a little bit lower on the ecr than him possibly have him outside my flex territory and hunter henry i really don't want to have to play unless i absolutely have to i know he got the touchdown last week but we know how fickle this is in the patriot offense you guys got any other notes for this game yeah i would fade pop douglas this week Devontae parker is what he's practicing could, could be involved and the, the matchup that's not great for the patriots is the slot versus slot and corner and the Colts. so i mean that's one yeah. thing you kind of want to avoid yeah, that, that's a good point. The outside corners are not great, and Kenny Moore has, I believe, the lowest passer rating in the NFL targeting him. So <laughs> you're going to target anyone, not him. I do have Douglas as wide receiver 40 in a week again where we have a lot of buys, so I'm with you guys on that one. All right, so let's go to our next match. <laughs> Could we have a big shootout of the week? Could Houston do it two weeks in a row? Cincinnati heading in the right direction. Houston and Cincy. It makes it a little bit tough. In the injury report here, Jamar Chase didn't practice today dealing with a back issue. It seems, it seems, and I'll talk to Brian Scott about this tomorrow at 930. Check back on our YouTube channel. But it seems like the expectation is Chase will still play. T. Higgins listed with a different injury, but he was limited practice today. The expectation is that he will play, but maybe these guys won't be 100% come Sunday. Kind of disappointing. We were hoping we could possibly see a shootout with the way the Houston Texans offense has the capability of playing and the way Joe Burrow has been getting back to Joe Burrow ways since apparently he all he needed was a couple of weeks while playing on a calf injury to get better with the calf injury. Absolutely amazing with him. Uh, right now, Cincinnati is favored in this game at minus six and a half in Cincy with a 48 over under in this one. I am going to take the over in this game. I'm going to, it's 48. So I'm just looking, all I'm really looking for ultimately is a 27 24 game. I think with the way these two offenses have been playing, I think you're going to get that in this game, especially at the two quarterback position. Chris, I see you frowning at me. What, 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 what's the matter? Like, look, I understand the C.J. Stroud, and I love C.J. Stroud. Look at just twisted. was spectacular last week and just lit it up. But if you look at his stats, I'm not saying he's Jared Goff, but his blow-up games have all been at home. He has not done necessarily what you think he can do on the road. Most of his games, between the 14, 15 points range, have been on the road. So the Cincinnati defense isn't a pushover. Buffalo, you know, Jared Allen had a pretty decent game, but wasn't anything spectacular. So they look at what you get versus Buffalo. I think this Houston offense matches up very similar to that Cincinnati Cincinnati offense. I'm sorry, Cincinnati defense. And I don't like the over necessarily. And I'm not kind of I think the scoring's gonna be a little lower than people expect it to be just because of what we saw from Stroud last week. 
I think it's because we have two, we have two good offenses, which is why I'm taking the over in this game. It's not just a one-sided offensive affair. So even if you get Cincinnati up by a couple of scores, Houston not only has the capability, but will show that they were willing to throw the ball enough to keep the, keep that game going in the right direction. I look at the Jacksonville game, which was on the road. That game went over 51 points scoring. CJ Stroud, 280 yards and two touchdowns in that one. That's all I'm looking for here to go over on a 48. So that's my argument for that. Uh, but let's go to the week. I'm playing Burrow. He's my number two quarterback on the week. And I'm playing CJ Stroud. He's my number five quarterback on the week. Not a lot of great selection at quarterback position. But I think after last week, there's no way you're benching CJ Stroud. Whether it's a road game or not, I don't think there's any chance you can bench CJ Stroud for 470 yard and five touchdown performance. Um, the, only, I, the only headline I really have here is about Tank Dell because you're playing Joe Mixon. I don't want to play the Texan running backs. Keep your eye on Damian Pierce. He didn't practice again today, so if he's out, maybe you feel better about flexing Singletary. He's going to have all the volume in the backfield to himself in this one. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins were playing him. So we get the Tank Dell, who I'm much higher on than the ECR. ECR. I got him at 18. ECR's got him at 25. And here's my thing. Tank Dell, not Nico Collins, is the number one receiver of this offense, gentlemen. He's been running more routes. He gets targeted more per route. Dell's actually in the 90 percentile with his routes run. Nico Collins, for as good as he's been in spots this year, never gets above 80-82. Tank Dell is actually playing more than him. And now Collins, while we think he's going to play, he's also on the injury report today with an ankle issue. Maybe he's not 100%. We know Robert Woods is going to be out. So, Adam, when you're looking at this thing, I got Nico Collins at 28. I got Tank Dell at 18. Which, which receiver would you rather have? I'm definitely on the tank side. I do think this is going to be a tough matchup um, for them. I don't think this offense is necessarily going to – it's definitely not going to do what they did last week. Uh, no, I, I, I think if you're going to beat Stroud, it's going to be with a better pass rush. Tampa Bay is one of the worst in the league from an ESPN pass rush win rate uh, perspective from what it's worth, and I, the Bengals are a little closer to average. I think that is uh, in their favor. Uh that having been said, yeah, I think Dell is the guy to go to. Um, they are actively attempting to get him the ball versus passively getting Collins the ball. Um, so, yeah, Chris, you see it that same way or no? Yeah, I lean towards Tank Dell. I mean, I definitely kind of come back to my point earlier. I think Tank Dell's quickness plays better at home. Um, so I think that's where he can, you know, he's able to get the separation and be able to get the explosive plays. But I do think he's the better play because this Cincinnati team gives a lot of yards. He'll get a lot of touchdowns. Nico Collins kind of needs those touchdowns to be productive. Well, Tank Dell can make the big play between the 20s for you. Still be productive. I like that. Uh, one guy who's been irrelevant no matter what now, after establishing himself after week six, it seems like, the Dalton Schultz. He comes in a tight end five for me. He's back. He, uh, like I said, he's established a bigger part of the receiving workload. I was worried about, you know, because he started doing well when Tank Dell was out. What would happen when Tank Dell came back? Now, the other part of this you could make the argument for is that, well, Tank Dell came back, but then Robert Woods basically immediately left, opening up more target share from him being gone, too. And I don't think it really matters. Because well, Brown got that last week, too. Right, exactly. I was just about to say that, Chris, because Noah Brown wound up kind of coming in and taking over that role as well. And with with Woods, it's funny. I didn't even realize how many targets Woods was getting because he had nothing to show for it. Like, just you don't miss him out there at all. Uh, Dalton Schultz has been getting 23.6% of the team target share since Robert Woods has been out. 
that is top five tight end level usage right there. So I'm firing up Dalton Schultz and I'm happy as hell about it. Chris, do you think this is sustainable throughout the rest of the season though? I mean, it's sustainable as a tight end. It's not Kelsey or Mark Andrews. I think that's what you're looking at. And then I think you talk about top five guy. I think that is sustainable. He's going to be probably a tight end one, at least for you for the rest of the season. Is he with top five? That's debatable, but he'll definitely be tight end one for you to have in your option for each week in week out. Any other notes for this game, guys? Nope, we're good. Okay, let's move on. The Saints taking on superstar-led Josh Dobbs. Dan, I did want to ask you real oh, quick. Sorry, we, we didn't. We, one of the things we skipped over the last game is the running back situation for the Texans. Are we going to play a single? Did we skip play? over it? I, I think I intentionally did that. Well, I'm just making sure. <laughs> Go ahead. What were you going to say? Sorry. No, I'm just curious to see. Are we going to play a running back uh, Houston situation? You know, it was Singletary being the guy. Um, didn't do anything last week, but was the guy. So are we going to actually play him for Cincinnati or is he somebody that we're just baiting in regardless? Look, if, if Pierce is out and it's Singletary's backfield, you're going to have Singletary to top 36. Therefore, you're going to be flexing him. I, right now, I have him at 36. ECR has him at 30. I will probably be moving him to 30 or in that territory. So a mid-level RB3 if Pierce, in fact, is going to be out. Look, the thing with Singletary is that we have seen him, if he gets enough of the usage that he can perform. And let's not get it twisted here. Tampa Bay has a very, very good run defense. And Texans did not, with all the success they were having passing the ball, weren't interested in keeping the running game going, keeping that necessarily involved. Cincinnati, while not bad up front, don't, don't get me twisted, but they are not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when it comes to running. So if Singletary is going to get 15-plus opportunities, which is easy to do with Damian Pierce out of the way, I am going to have him as a top 30 play. Does that answer your question? Are you looking for something else there? No, I was just curious. Like I said, it's one thing we didn't cover in that game. It is something people are going to consider this week. I think I mentioned it very, very briefly uh, that if Pierce didn't play, that you could you could play him. If they're both in there, though, I don't want to I don't want to touch this backfield whatsoever. But anyway, so the, the game that we're on now is the Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. I just shout out to Josh Dobbs. I know everyone's just singing his praises, but he deserves it. I mean, geez, Louise, the dude doesn't practice at all, throws two touchdowns, finds a way to play well enough to come in and get the win. And the Minnesota Vikings, believe it or not, are above five hundred. It doesn't feel like it, but they are. I don't know how the hell that happened. So Most of the wins up. have been post-Justin Jefferson. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this makes it even crazier. Uh, so, yeah. Um, right now, though, the Saints are on the road and favored at minus two and a half with an over-under of 41. The Saints, as the favorites this year, won four and one. They had one push against the spread, while the Vikings have been three and one against the spread. Hello, underdog special of the week. It's actually not the underdog special of the week. I have another one that I'm even more confident in, but I'm taking the Vikings to cover in this game right now. Uh, they just look like a team that's hungrier than the Saints. The Saints are the Saints. Like, you're a good team on paper. You just show up when you decide you want to. And anytime you're not in New Orleans, I don't really don't want that much to do with you, frankly, to be honest with you. So I'm taking the Vikings in this game. Z Money coming in with a question. Please pick a flex and a wide receiver for this week. We got Pickens, Christian Watson, Curtis Samuel. Those are the best players, but these are just their Spears, AJ Dillon, Brandon Cooks, Quinton Johnson. So, Adam, pick a flex and a wide receiver out of that lovely mess. Do I have to? 
<laughs> um, Probably between Keaton Mitchell, Christian Watson, Pickett's current state. That's who Z Money's thinking of. Who are you thinking of? Yeah, uh, I I don't disagree. Um, I think it's probably Mitchell and Samuel, maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I will say, just according to my rankings, it for me, it would be Pickens, and it actually would be uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, just just based off my rank. Curtis Samuel over Christian Watson, but like two spots, by the way, if he's back and playing. Jahan Don's a little bit banged up, so there might be an extra target share for Curtis Samuel if he comes back uh, this week. But it's it, it, that's oof, that's ugly. Chris, what would you do here? I want to get your opinion here. I would play Pickens and Watson. Um, you talk about Dotson being banged up. He missed today's practice, but it was for personal reasons. I don't think he was banged up for necessarily for why he missed practice. Curtis Samuel is banged up. It's still me maybe he came back to practice today though. He did come back to practice limited. Um, so I'm still I'm not loving that matchup versus Seattle. I actually would go with the more up two upside guys with Pickens and Watson. Does what well we're gonna get to it later, but does Watson actually have upside? We'll we'll discuss that. We'll discuss that later. Uh with other injury reports for this game, Cam Akers, Achilles could be a career ender at this point. KJ Osborne dealing with a concussion. TJ Hawkinson listed with a rib issue, but he's expected to play this Sunday. Justin Jefferson was activated today. It does not feel like they're really expecting him to play this week, though. Trying to get him back into the practice window. Maybe next week we see Justin Jefferson back. However, um, Derek Carr, QB 16. Good job, Derek Carr. Always holding on the forward, that mid-level QB, too. Just, just every year, all the time, no matter what. Josh Dobbs, I don't love the matchup here. It was incredible what he did last week, but I still have him as a QB 18. Not something I'm trying to stream necessarily here. I do still have Alvin Kamara's RB4, despite the fact usage is a little bit wonky now coming out of the New Orleans Saints, but still considering other running backs, you got to have him as a top five play. Well, let's talk a little Alexander Madison, Chris. I got him at RB28. I still don't think, especially against the Saints, even without Cam Akers, he's a must-start this week. That's why he's not an RB2 to me. It's also why this guy is another sell candidate to me. If you could get somebody on the idea that, oh, Cam Akers is back out of the way, no, no more fields for Alexander Madison, and sell him for a legitimate top 20 running back, I'd pull the trigger on that. Or hell, if you need a receiver. Let's keep in mind here, Saints, fifth fewest fantasy points allowed to the running backs. Madison, if it wasn't for a lucky catch last week, still would have did absolutely nothing. This is kind of how I see it with him. How do you? I 100% agree with you. I mean, I would, this is a guy I've been trying to sell all year if I had Alexander Madison. It's no different now. I think that, you know, we talked about K-Makers being out of the way. It did, he showed no effect the last, second half of the game last week. Um, you talked about the flute catch he had. That was basically all he was able to do. This guy's been inefficient as a runner. He's not explosive. Josh Dobbs doesn't check the ball down the running back as much as you know Kurt as, as Cousins does either. So Madison's a guy that to me I'm definitely selling. I'm trying to get rid of if I can. Yeah, 100. Sell it while you can on the Cam Akers being out concept. Uh, Jamal Williams, we don't care about him. He's in my 40s. Chris Olave is a wide receiver seven for me this week. Matchup and usage also by weeks is what led to that. Jordan Addison coming at wide receiver 26. Michael Thomas is a flex worthy play at wide receiver 35. Rashid Shahid a dart throw rather take a shot on him in DFS if anything else. And TJ Hawkinson, we're playing Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill makes me want to cry. Taysom Hill. All right. So it's three weeks in a row now. 
So he's a tight end one. He's a tight end 10 for me this week. Like with the, with the bye weeks and everything like that. I, Juwan Jaws came back. He lost targets. Then this past week, he gets targets and leads the backfield and carries and gets touchdowns. But we've seen this out of Taysom Hill before where he'll go on these little spurts where the Saints use him like crazy. And then all of a sudden, even though it's working and even though they're winning, they'll inexplicably stop using him all over again. Adam, when you look at Taysom Hill, what are you doing with Taysom Hill? I mean, you're, you probably have to play him, but what are you doing rest of the season with him? Are you, are you sticking with this guy as your tight end one? Is that your game plan now? I don't think that you can reasonably do that with Taysom Hill to not have like a, a backup option. But look, you didn't have to give up anything to get him. So hopefully you still have whatever your initial option was. And if you had resigned yourself to playing waivers at tight end all season, then, well, you go back to doing that. Um, look, I, I think you ride it out. Um, but I mean, if we're being honest, I kind of, to your point, he feels a lot like Gabe Davis where we, we keep pushing off like, all right, I'm not playing him. I want to give him another week. I don't, I'm not playing him. I want to give him another week. Then you finally, finally bite the bullet. You finally play him. We'll get like 10 snaps <laughs> and then you bench him and then he plays again. And that like, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. how I feel like this thing with Taysom Hill normally goes is you finally get bought in on, on playing him and then he falls off a cliff um that all having been said he gives you more upside than quite literally anyone who's not like a top three tight end um especially in a week where the chiefs are on by so yeah i i think you have to play him and and just cross you your fingers there. Hope you the upside. there yeah that's that's pretty much it i get my only thought was that, and i've seen this a lot too this week Taysom Hill being commonly used as a package player to make a trade with somebody else. So somebody's after a running back or receiver upgrade, they package Taysom Hill because sometimes the team that they're trading, trading with doesn't have a tight end at all. And the meaning deal is done with that. I would say go for it. See what you can find out there if that's available to you. It's not a bad idea. The only reason I'm hesitant with Taysom Hill is because if the Saints were smart, because it works, they would never stop using Taysom Hill the way that they use him. But we just not. know that they do eventually. So, like, that's, that's, that's the crazy thing about it. Um, yeah. So, Taysom Hill always well, giving us rankers headaches. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, it doesn't just affect, you know, whether you play Taysom Hill. What it affects is everybody else in that Saints team. Yeah. Derek Carr goes Kill. from that 16 to 25 real quick because Taysom Hill comes in in the red zone and steals a touchdown there. Yeah. Um, Kamara doesn't get his involved. Michael Thomas didn't get targeted last week. So, you have never uh, – the rest the of the guys in the Saints are – That's yeah, the only thing that didn't rest, affect. The rest of the Saints guys are the ones who are actually getting penalized with the with you know this situation in New Orleans as well. Yeah, 100 percent That's that's the one thing with Kamara we keep our eye on because we're still gonna rank him as an RB1 for now. But if this continues on, then he, his value is gonna start dropping like a rock pretty soon. All right, I don't know. Let's go to the next game here. So we can talk about that one. <laughs> It's a shame we don't have Chase tonight for health reasons. Unfortunately, we'll have him back hopefully soon, hopefully as soon as Sunday night with me and Chase when we do the Heroes and Zeros observational notes recap on Sunday night at 1030 on our YouTube channel. But we do have the Packers taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. Going to Pittsburgh, Steelers are favored at minus three with an over-under of 39. Guess what? Each team only has one game 
on the over this year. So I am definitely taking the under here at 39 points. Not expecting a lot of fireworks in this matchup to go to Chris's George Pickens and Christian Watson upside play point earlier in the show. Uh, not that you're wrong, Chris, in theory, but it's Jordan Love looks awful. Then I have him at QB 20. Kenny Pickett looks worse. I have him at QB 26 somehow. The only thing I get excited about here, we've got Aaron Jones. I do have an RB15 this week. We saw his usage finally come back. He had a 54-24 split with carries with Dylan, 21% target share. Looked and was used like the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Didn't look like he was hindered by the hamstring. Didn't have a setback. So all of those things are boding well for your Aaron Jones shares. Uh, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. We continue to play these guys as low in RB2, RB3s. AJ Dillon, a very, very low end RB3. Let's talk a little Deontay Johnson, Adam. ECR, I don't think, is buying is buying enough into Deontay Johnson right now. They got him at 20. I got him at wide receiver 13. I may move him inside our top 12 before this week is over. And it's not because he finally scored for the first time in like two years. Okay, I, I get it. He's not going to score every week now. Well, maybe that takes the lid off. I don't know. Happened for Jacoby Myers. He finally got the lid off, and then he wasn't allergic to the end zone anymore after that. We'll have to see. I'm not trusting Kenny Pickett, though. But he is definitely the most trustworthy option on the field. And he's had a 31% target share since returning. Also since returning, George Pickens has been a little pissy. And I don't think Mike Tomlin is really enjoying it. This is not a situation where the squeaky wheel gets to grease. This is more like you might get thrown in the doghouse with the key locked and everybody forgets you're out there. Got a deal. That's what I'm thinking in this situation. So when you look at Deontay Johnson and you look at George Pickens, does this split get wider and wider in your mind? Or are we going to have a regression back to the middle? I don't think it matters that Pickens talking. Uh, I do think the split is... I mean, probably going to stay kind of similar to what it's been the past few weeks. Look, Deontay Johnson is always going to be a target hog, and it's because he's one of the best route runners in the league. He separates at an incredibly high level. He's always open. Whether he catches the ball, whether he runs backwards, those are different questions. But he will <laughs> he's going to be open. He's going to be the guy that you have to throw to because you have to throw to your open wide receiver. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think Deontay is someone who you can have in the – high end two category. I struggle with putting him uh, up into the one group just because of this offense. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think he has the week to week upside, but he is a must play because he's one of the very few guys that you can guarantee you're getting double digit points out of almost every week, just because it's going to have like eight catches. It's going to happen. <laughs> Well, and to throw this in there too, the Green, I don't know who the hell is going to be starting for the Green Bay Packers in the secondary because they got everyone's hurt. I mean, even Jared Alexander's on the injury report now this week too. With the, he didn't practice today, so I don't even know if there's, who's who's there to cover at this at this point for Deontay Johnson, who gets open all the time. Um, I just found it interesting that Mike Tomlin actually commented about George Pickens commenting and so it was like a pebble in a shoe. That's a lot for Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is somebody who doesn't say anything about that like ever when it comes to his players. I just thought that was a little bit interesting. Oh, by the way, Ryan Clark, George Pickens, still not as good as Justin Jefferson. FYI. Uh, yeah, so do have Pickens as a flex play because it only takes one play. Uh, that's pretty much what that boils down to. Christian Watson, on the other hand, who you would normally think it only takes one play. I'm not touching him. He's a bench for me. And if his name wasn't Christian Watson, frankly, I'd say he's a drop. Because this offense isn't going to get any better. Jordan Love sucks. Plain and simple. 100%. He's not the guy. And you have Christian Watson, who's wide receiver 65 on a points per game basis. 
hasn't been usable once for you all year, including a game in which he scored a touchdown. He still wasn't a top 30 play that week. Chris, are you going to keep holding Watson? Is he even worth it? I mean, I think it depends on what's out there on waivers. If you see some more upside guys and they definitely want to target that, what you're hoping for in a sense is, that, you know, unfortunately is a Green Bay injury. You need some you know, guys that get kind of taken out of this offense as options for him to become more involved. He is the preference in the early down sets. He is the preference of plays. He gets more snaps than the other receivers do. They do try to figure out ways to get him the ball. He did have an opportunity for a huge play last week. He had to kind of run you know, about 20 yards backwards, as Adam talked about the other Johnson running backwards, <laughs> ball because it was so underthrown. Um, you know, guy's 37-yard catch, but he still has explosiveness, still has been getting open down the field. So it's a guy that, you know, I'm not necessarily making sure I keep on my team, but I'm not necessarily looking for eager just to go pick up anybody off the, you know, waivers just to add to my lineup. Because he still has some upside, and still, you know, still a good player. It's just frustrating to me. Like people have talked about, and rightfully well, so. All offense. Sorry, that's it. Well, no, I'm just about to say, like people have talked about, and rightfully so, all year about the quarterback play in the NFL league has been bad, and a lot of this has been due to injury. But we have two quarterbacks who are meant to be the starters day one here with Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett, and it's not any better, and it's frustrating. There is talent well, here. Chris, go ahead, Chris. And, and look, a lot of this should be on Jordan Love's lap, and he hasn't been accurate, and he hasn't been you know, necessarily doing what he needs to do either. But this coaching staff, and we've saw this before, you know, Aaron Rodgers turned into an MVP, but his first year, he was basically about getting run out of Green Bay and run out of the league because he played so poorly under this LaFour offense. We're seeing Green Bay go back to its roots. We're seeing them script. And this is a team that scripts its first half and can't score any points, Dan. That's the problem. You see a team that's trying to figure out what to do, and the more they think about what they do, the worse it gets. So that's the problem. That's why I think some of the playmakers need to go away for this Green Bay offense because they try to get this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and they have no rhythm in the offense as a result of it. How about we just get rid of Matt LaFleur? How about how about we just do that? That would that would be the best part of all. Uh, Jaden Reed, we're not playing him, not playing Luke Musgrave. You guys got any other notes for this game? Nope. All right, let's go to the next one. We got the Tennessee Titans taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. They are favored at minus one. So we basically have a pick em situation here over under sitting at 38. Each team only has one game on the over for Tampa Bay. That was last week against Houston. It kind of surprised me because they haven't not scored points at times this year. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm... Going to stick with the trend, and I want to cash the under here at the 38. Not going to expect too many points scored. Here's what I am going to say, and I'm not playing him fantasy-wise, but I'm going to take a little bit of an L on Will Levis. Not a total L here. It's still too early. We may not wind up being a starter long-term, but he is already better than what I thought he was during the draft process. That part, I do have to give him. Because I was looking at him as a guy, I thought he was like the next Zat Mettenberger. We're like, yeah, you got an arm. You have nothing between the ears. You can't anticipate. Uh, I was just just not going to do it. So I will take a little bit of an L and give him a little bit of credit because he is already better than what I thought he would be. But just a little bit. I'm not not saying I got the franchise here. But what he does do is he offers actual upside for this Tennessee offense. And for the first time in two years, DeAndre Hopkins is back in my top 10 for the wide receiver position this week. 
He has upside. He gets the ball thrown to him down the field. And Tampa Bay, as we just saw, they'll, they'll give up some big plays against the Houston Texans and whatnot. What do you think about that, Adam? Having DeAndre Hopkins, you going to wide receiver one this week, potentially? Yeah, I, I've been saying it on this show all year that Hopkins looks fine. Hopkins, <laughs> this entire time I've been saying, I test Hopkins looks like Hopkins. And it's been a Ryan Tannehill issue. It's been an offensive line issue. So having a a live arm and a guy that can move around a little bit, negate some of the offensive line problems. Yeah. I think Hopkins returns to being Hopkins because it was never a Hopkins problem. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I'm on board for it. I agree. I, I think, you know, the, the Levis hype might be moving a little bit quick. I was definitely wrong about my take on this past week as well. Um, <laughs> however, um, I, I, I think he does wonders for the weapons on this offense and especially Hopkins. He just he offers some light, some upside. So is it safe to say that you're on the bandwagon that it's rest of season DeAndre Hopkins stardom? Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, which is so far from where we were just a couple of weeks ago. It's absolutely incredible how fast I can switch around. When you make smart decisions, uh, Derrick Henry's an RB1. Rashad White is uh, one of the uglier RB2s, but he's getting the ball a lot in the passing game. That's going to keep him at an RB2. And they actually got in the end zone twice this past week because, you know, I was playing against him. So, of course, Rashad White finds a way to get in the end zone twice in the week that I'm playing him. So, yeah, go figure. Should have told you guys that a part of the analysis last week. Chris Godwin is a low-end wide receiver, too, for me. Chris, what do you make of Kate I? I got him at tight end 16. I'm not putting him in the category of I'm looking to go out of my way to stream him yet. But he has been a little bit more relevant as of recent. Are you looking at Kate Otten or you just think this is a mirage in his in his case? No, I think this is where we talk about Taysom Hill and have him on your team and Adam was having you know add an extra guy, maybe have another option. Kate Otten's a good pairing for myself and looking for a guy who has some upside, a guy who can maybe be consistently more involved as the season progresses. The thing right now for Tampa Bay is because their run offense is so putrid, they're turning into a pass-happy team. They have to throw the ball constantly to everybody to basically move the ball. Kate Otten's kind of benefiting from that becoming a glorified extra part of the running attack. So that's why you see the volume. You don't see you know, Godwin actually being involved very much right now. Um, he's, he's kind of not being himself in his offense. Mike, uh, Mike Evans is still the guy kind of pushing the ball down the field. So the guys in between is Rashad White and Kate Otten quite often. And I think that's a guy that's so you can have on your radar – isn't a must-start per se, like you said, but a guy that I definitely think can be sniffing having your lineups here or there. Okay, well, keep your eye on Kate Otten. He was on my waiver wide rankings list as a hope and stash play there to tight end position too. All right, let's go to our next match. <laughs> We got two teams coming off the bye in this one. We got San Francisco going into Jacksonville, favored at minus three with an over-under of 46 and a half. The Jaguars have been undefeated against the spread on the road. At home, though, there are only two and two. So, and haven't necessarily looked particularly great at home either. Now, as a San Francisco fan, I will tell you, I was still a little bit hesitant to say I'm going to take San Fran to cover because... I need Trent I'll Williams. I'll, tell you, I'll take it. No, 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 no. Chris, let me just say why. I need Trent Williams back. And fantasy owners need Trent Williams back. You need Christian McCaffrey to be Christian McCaffrey. You need Ayuk and Debo, who's on his way back, and George Kittle to have a chance uh-huh. to give you the upside of what you need them to give you. That all stems from Trent Williams being out there on the field. 
coming off the bye, he still has not practiced. Now, with him not practicing still, they're not having ruled him out. There's some talk that maybe he'll come back tomorrow, but it's not generally a good sign. And they never really told us officially exactly what the ankle issue is. Being the timing of it, it's definitely, definitely a high ankle sprain. And when you're a bigger man like that with Trent Williams, maybe you want to falling more on the six-week side of the timeline rather than the four-week side of the timeline. I just want to give that analysis because that is important when you're talking about Christian McCaffrey and everybody else and Brock Purdy, especially on this roster. Jacksonville is a good matchup here, but I am going to take San Fran to cover at minus three. I'm expecting, especially with the Chase Young trade, that they just come out a little bit juiced up for this one. Jacksonville has never been particularly a great team at home. So, Chris, what are you going to say there? No, I definitely agree. I think the thing that helps, you know, Williams is definitely a key to this offense. I'm not going to get it twisted. But having Debo come back, you can now use Kittle, unfortunately, for fantasy owners, back as an extra blocker (laughs) for that running attack, for the extra chip guy on the pass protection which allows Burry to get the extra time that he needs so you can attack these Jacksonville receivers and Jacksonville corners. So I do think the matchup is the key to this game where either running back can get it out of, you know, can attack it out of the backfield, receivers can get open versus corners. That's the key for me and 49ers, where it's not going to be hard to slowly move ball against Jacksonville. No, and I tend to agree with that. That, that takes care of my George Kittle note, too, by the way. May take a target hit with Debo back and potentially still no Trent Williams. However, you have George Kittle, you're still playing George Kittle as a tight end one. That just comes that just becomes part of the territory when you draft George Kittle. If you draft George Kittle, you know what you're getting yourself into. You're gonna have weeks where it sucks, and it's gonna have weeks where it's absolutely He's fantastic, and you're gonna have nothing else in, in between. Yeah, you're just you're just not gonna know. Um, it's the 49ers in general. Chris, you said Debo, you said Debo Samuel. I don't know if everybody heard you or not, but th- it's that's everybody in the San Francisco 49ers. Like Yuke hasn't been the most consistent. He's been the most utilized, but he hasn't been the most consistent fantasy wise. Debo hasn't. The only person that is is Christian McCaffrey. That's that's the only person who is every single week. Uh, I do want to talk a little Trevor Lawrence here, Adam. I do have a QB 12. I'm still lower than the ECR. They got him a QB nine, but I think not just for this game. I think the rest of the season. He's just a streaming quarterback based on matchup. The offense has a lot more firepower to be more than that. Travis Etienne, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram. Of course, the list goes on and on and on. Eventually, they'll get Zay Jones back at some point. We did see Trevor Lawrence, you know, step up in the second half of last season, but his first half wasn't this bad. He was QB 21 on a points per game basis. Do you think coming out of the bye... And remember, San Fran, they got torched by Kirk Cousins. They got torched by Joe Burrow. That's supposed to be the caliber of quarterback Trevor Lawrence is meant to be. Do you think coming out of the bye, Trevor Lawrence starts to get this thing turned around? I, It's tough because I, I want to have faith in Trevor Lawrence, and I do think uh, that things are going to go better this second half of the season for him. Um, I, I think he looked worse in the first half of last season from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, this season's been... Um, worse, but ETN has been a lot uh, more involved, I would say, or at least better. Um, what worries me, though, is their offensive line has been atrocious, especially when it comes to pass blocking. Uh, and with the Chase Young trade, uh, Chase Young on one side, Bosa on the other, you got Chase Young on the bye week. That sounds terrifying for this Jaguars <laughs> offensive line. Fair point. Um, so I, I, I kind of am concerned for this particular matchup, but I do think that Trevor Lawrence, you um, can rebound a little bit from where he's been. Um, I, I don't think he remains a low end QB two. I think he'll challenge for the high teens, whether he makes it to what you expected him to be this season. 
uh, that much for me is still up in the air. Is he still a quarterback 12 in your mind right now? Because I, well, here's what I got him ahead of. I got him ahead of Russell Wilson, Will Levis, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, Josh Dobbs, Jordan Love, Deshaun Watson. Like Those are the guys I have him directly ahead of, which puts him at 12. So would you have him ahead? Yeah, I, th- I think 12 is fine. Uh, I wouldn't go any higher. So what, what did you say ECR had? ECR has him at 9, so they have him inside the top 10. Yeah, I, I think he's a, a fringe 12. I think with the injuries, with the buys this week, he's a, um, a top 12 guy. But I don't know if that's an every week thing. But I think he's always going to be kind of in that matchup range that you were saying. I mean, basically what I have him directly ahead of him is Geno Smith playing Washington, Brock Purdy, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Sam Howell. That's what I have directly ahead of him. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, okay. Uh, Everything else is pretty much straightforward until we get to Christian Kirk because you're playing Christian McCaffrey, obviously. Number one. Number two is Travis Etienne, of course. Brandon Ayuk. I do still have him as a top 10 play, even with Debo Samuel back, who cracks my top 20 as well. Christian Kirk, I am... Way higher on than the ECR, actually. Uh, ECR's got him at wide receiver at 19. I got him as a wide receiver eight play this week against the San Francisco 49ers, who have allowed the six most fancy points to wide receivers. Now, maybe the defense gets better, especially up front, rattles the quarterback, and they can't get as many passes off. That All of that is completely true. But the only tough matchup that any wide receiver has is Traverius Ward, who will most likely be matched up on Calvin Ridley most of the time. And unless the San Francisco 49ers in the bye change who the slot corner is, Isaiah Oliver cannot stay with Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk is too fast for him. He's too quick for him. And Kirk has been the main guy for this passing attack for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like Christian Kirk a lot this week. Chris, am I too high on him? I don't know if I have him as high as you do, but I definitely think Christian Kirk's a must start this week if you have him. I do love the matchup. You talked about the slot receiver versus 49ers defense is the key. You can definitely take advantage of that. We saw Deontay Johnson week one in Pittsburgh, and you'll be able to, before he got hurt, have a good game despite Pittsburgh's offense being terrible. So I think that, you know Adams' concerns about the pass rush is going to be warranted, but when it comes to Christian Kirk, it doesn't hurt him because he can easily still get the ball. Even if it's third and 18, he catches the ball for 10 yards. So I think you're going to see Christian Kirk definitely involved in this offense. I think he's got the more best matchup of all the receivers. I think – you know, a little reach from rich my blood, damn. But like I said, I definitely think it's a must start. Yep, that's pretty much what I'm, po- I'm pointing out at that point. And Calvin Ridley's not a must start for me. I got him at wide receiver 34. Uh, I, you're going to see a good matchup on paper. Sure, ECR's got him at 26. So even there, he's still a high end wide receiver three for them. But for me, it, it's just been terrible for Calvin Ridley. It's been untrustworthy for Calvin Ridley. And even in a heavy bye week, I still find 33 other guys I'd rather play over Calvin Ridley right now with his production that he's had. I can't say the usage has been bad. The usage overall, those numbers have been fine, but they're not getting the ball. He's not getting separation, which was my whole fear for him coming into this season to begin with. So I'm not, I don't think he's a must start this week. Uh, Adam, are you going to play Calvin Ridley? Are you going to look for other options? I think I'd be in the looking for other options camp. Uh, I I think this is definitely, uh, and there's been a lot of them this year, but I think this is certainly a Kirk week uh, where he's the one I feel a lot better about. Because, um, again, I think this pass rush can get home quite a bit. I think that the time to throw will likely not be especially high. So for a guy that doesn't separate well but needs to go downfield, I don't think it's going to happen for Ridley. Also having the hardest uh, matchup in the secondary. There's, like, nothing going well for him this week. Um, so I'm not – gonna bury him too deep but this is not a week where i'm super excited about him there doesn't really seem like there's anything trending in his direction for 
Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too, as reflected in the rankings. Uh, Evan Ingram, you still playing him as a top 10 tight end, and George Kittle, we already talked about him. Any other notes for this game, guys? Okay, let's go to our next match. I'm excited for this game. Not not from a fantasy standpoint. I don't know how many points are going to get scored. But it's going to be an old-fashioned, hard-nosed, hitting, actually good football game. Cleveland Browns taking on the Baltimore Ravens going into Baltimore. The Ravens are favored at minus six with an over-under of 37 and a half. Both teams have been great against the spread. Both teams have fantastic defenses. I'm taking the under here, and I'm going to say these two defenses just pound the hell out of each other. We're going to see uh, this old-school AFC North matchup game. J- uh, Gus Edwards is on the injury report with a toe issue. Uh, again, we'll talk to Brian Scott about it tomorrow, but my early feel on it is that we're expecting Gus Edwards to be able to play this upcoming week. To that end, because you're going to start Lamar if you have him. I would try not to start Deshaun Watson if you have him. Just Lamar is able to play well enough, even in this matchup, where you're not going to have better options. At least I don't think so. But Gus Edwards, this dude is just... Talk about Taysom Hill headaches. Like It doesn't make any sense, because his usage is not great. He's just falling in the end zone. Five carries for 52 yards and two touchdowns last week. That doesn't even happen. And you're going against the Cleveland Browns. I have to think against the Cleveland Browns, he is not going to find the end zone as easily as he has over the past few weeks. Having said that, I am still not as low as the ECR is on him, which shocked the hell out of me. They got him at RB26, him at RB20. Look, unless you think Keaton Mitchell is the next Devon A. Chan, (laughs) like Gus Edwards is still going to be the main guy. I mean, what am I missing here, Chris? As you take a drink. The hype, Dan. <laughs> they think he's going to be the next Devin Achean. That was a guy. Keaton Mitchell was one of the guys that that people liked a lot as a as a sleeper this year, as a guy that was an undrafted free agent that they you know was going to be a guy they want to pick up on because his quickness and his speed. This is a guy I think that the community, the fantasy community, already wants to endear and love. So they're already filling out reasons to kind of embrace him. We need Chase on the show right now because this is Gus Edwards. This is, you know, know. You Gus Edwards. This is, we need to have a battle right now. But, Dan, all the things about talking about Gus Edwards, five touchdowns in two weeks, yeah, you really can't just put your nose up the gut. So I think, you know, right now, regardless of who the opponent is, you're having Gus Edwards in your lineup. Agreed. I mean, you can't take him out. He's been too hot. But this is a match in which I think you just might have to temper expectations to some degree. However, he's still my lead back. In Baltimore, I'm not, not I'm not saying that they're ranking Keaton Mitchell ahead of them, but to map gut was Edwards, who's been on the hot streak down into your RB3 territory on a heavy bye week. Uh, the, even I don't think that's the right thing to do in this situation. Uh, Jerome Ford, he looked back and healthy this week. I do have him at RB22, got most of the carries, and clearly took back his role as the pass catching back. As long as that his role, will Kareem Hunt limit his ceiling? Yes, because Kareem Hunt's still getting a good amount of red zone touches. Again, when he scored once again last week. But Jerome Ford still has that very safe floor. I'm ahead of the ECR on him. I think he's worth more of a low-end RB2 than a mid-level RB3. Adam, I also have Kareem Hunt ahead of the ECR, actually, too, at 25 and 32. Do you think these two backs were back to, like, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt days where you could just play both of them and know that you're going to be okay? 
I mean, I don't know if we're quite back there. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, it feels like it, though. It, it certainly doesn't feel that way watching it. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, I think the, the usage kind of supports it. They're both kind of going to get some touches to be just valuable enough. Um, I don't think it's the, the same in the sense that, like, Chubb for those years was a, you know, a low-end one, a high-end two. I don't think either of these guys are that, but they're both playable pieces. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a, right, right now. You, I think you can play both of these guys you, even in a matchup here. I think Kareem Hunt's more like a Zach Moss. That's my personal opinion. Hey, he falls in the end zone somehow. You're not really sure how it happens. It just seems to always happen every <laughs> single week. You know, this is this is kind of what it boils down to. Um, oh, I know we talk about keeping Mitchell a little bit, but just to harp on this, he had 14 snaps last week. At best case scenario, and Chris, maybe you can help me out with this, but this is how I see it. Best case scenario for Keaton, Keaton Mitchell is maybe he overtakes Justice Hill as that number two at some point. Uh, I think that's the best case scenario. People I've heard trying to make an argument out there that he could overtake the whole backfield. I'm just like, what are you talking about? But Gus Howard's been too great, but could make the argument that maybe overtakes Justice Hill because Hill really has gotten a good amount of usage and has had little to show for it. Do you think that's a possibility or no? I think that he has to show more in other than just running the ball. I think that's kind of the key. Justice Hill gets his role because he's used in a lot in the passing attack because he can pass protect because he's out there in the passing situations because Edwards doesn't play it. Uh, if you're going to kind of knock into that, you're going to be able to do those kinds of things. What we saw Keith Mitchell get was Gus Edwards' role last week, which isn't necessarily open. And that's why he had those 14 touches and was able to dominate, especially in that fourth quarter, because he was used as the guy who kind of grounded out the rest of the game. If he's not used early downs, I don't think he necessarily gets the same kind of advantage as a Devin H. You know, that's one of the other guys might see his offense that you're kind of looking him for him to be. I think he's more of a guy who's a spark here or there, but probably winds up being more like a Jalen McLaughlin, where you just get it, you know, the coaching staff doesn't necessarily use him, but he has nice efficient numbers here or there. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Uh, Mari Cooper, I'm still playing him as a top 24 wide receiver. I got him at wide receiver 16 this week. Deshaun Watson's back in the building. That saves his floor, even in a tough match against Baltimore. Zay Flowers, though, he's not a must play for me. I got him as a wide receiver 33. His volume still keeps him in the top 36 conversation. You like him better in full point PPR than you do any other scoring formats. But there's just not much to be had, especially over the past few weeks not finding the end zone, not necessarily making big plays. I, I'm just, I love Zay Flowers. I'm super excited for him. Love what I was seeing earlier in this year, but it's like it's 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 fizzled it's fizzled out. And I don't know if he gets it back, Adam. And what's your take on Zay Flowers? Are we just kind of have to lower expectations the rest of the season, or you think there's a bounce back here coming? I think there's a bounce back to a degree. Um, I'm kind of curious if it bounces back all the way, uh, but I do think he's going to kind of return to a high volume role. Uh, I just don't know if the depth of target is going to kind of shift a little bit further down the field. And I think that kind of caps off his upside. So I think he, he will return to having a consistent role. I think the two weeks of under 20 yards is a fluke. Um, but the upside work uh, going down the field, I am genuinely concerned about. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at with this, too. Uh, Mark Andrews, you're playing him. He's my number one tight end on the week. David Njoku, been better as of late, but I guess Baltimore is still outside of my top 12. Does anybody else have any other notes in this game? No, let's go to our next match. <laughs> The Atlanta Falcons and that dildo for a head, Arthur Smith, taking on the Arizona Cardinals. 
before we even get to the line, I just want to get the Arthur Smith thing out of the way. And I, I know everybody who, who does this has been bashing Arthur Smith. And I say we all need to organize. We all need to organize and take to the streets of Atlanta and force them to fire this man. Did you not? Did, I, I want to know. Did you guys hear his press conference after that stupid game? Did you hear what his mumble jumbo? I went out of my way to avoid it personally. I oh, thought it would make me mad, so I didn't it, watch it. It was infuriating. Like, well, you know, we always try to be objective about what we're trying to do to get better. And you know, we've gotten into the red zone. I think we've got about 50%. You know, if you're getting like 60, 65, you're doing real well. And I'm like, like, shut up. Like, Bijan, he creates space. That's what he does. He creates space for the other players that I don't use. That's what Bijan does out there for us. Just like one asinine comment out of another. First of all, he is 50%, but it's 19th in the NFL. Uh, goal to go, the Atlanta Falcons are 29th in converting in the NFL. And you know what? You want to know what the key component is? Bijan's never on the field for any of it. That's the key component here, which makes freaking no sense. I think what, what was that? Out of 18 times in goal to go, Bijan's been on the field for five of them and has a touchdown. Are you kidding me? No, we got to hit our stride. That was the other thing that said, you know, we're going to hit our stride. Look, here, here's my thing with Arthur Smith and, and, and the Bijan and the Kyle Pitts and the Drake London of it all. I just look at Kyle Pitts. How many years have we been bashing our heads about the usage of Kyle Pitts and it hasn't gotten any better? I don't know if it gets better for Bijan this year, guys. I really don't. Drake London has a chance because he hasn't gotten to play with Taylor Heineke yet, who we know will YOLO it. He's, he's got a shot, but he's the only one who I think has a shot. Chris, what do you think? You think anything here bounces back? Yeah, look, I... Bijan's not going to be the, the, the you know RB one. I think that you were hoping for him to be, but I still think he's going to be very valuable for the rest of the season. Um, when you look at the rest of the guys, you know there's very few guys who've been consistent week in week out. There's not a whole lot of guys who are running away with this thing. You know Austin Eckler's living right now as a guy who's getting, you know had two touchdowns, didn't do anything else. So the red zone is kind of the key situation for them. I do think you're going to see some of its way back, especially as this Atlanta offense actually gets more consistently into the red zone. I, I hate, you know, the, the author Smith's, you know, press conference too, the 50% things, all blah, blah, blah. But you do look at his offense with Ty Henneke, they actually have a little bit of rhythm. The more they can get in the red zone, the more chance that Bijan can actually be out there if they actually use him once in a while. So I do think there's some upside. I still think there's a lot more for him. And he hasn't got hurt yet. He hasn't got a lot of, you know, while wearing hair on his body yet. So I still think there's an opportunity for B. John Robinson to still have a bounce back, be a strong RB2 option, sniff star stuff in the RB1. Will he be a number, you know, number one overall running back? Probably not. Um, but I still think there's a lot of value. I just think this offense in general, Dan, to your point, there was things that you know, I got I beat the, the drum all summer long about this team, and I was very excited about this Atlanta offense. The mismatch thing is the thing that I don't understand. B. John Robinson, yeah, he creates space, but they don't put him in space. They don't line him up different places. They don't motion him around. They don't try to get one-on-ones for guys. Talk about pits, different guys they try to utilize. The things that they should be able to easily get and be able to get one-on-ones for receivers and, and for the running backs, they're not doing. And that's the part that's really confusing to me. It's like they're they're running the Green Bay offense right now. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. They're running the old Mike McCarthy and LaFleur mesh Green Bay offense, and it's absolutely putrid, and it doesn't get any better. And for Bijan, look, Chris, if you can hold on to Bijan for the playoffs, he does have a nice playoff schedule. He's got the Panthers, he's got the Colts, he's got the Chicago Bears. But getting to the playoffs, if you have Bijan right now and you're trying to get to the playoffs – 
I don't know if you shouldn't think about trying to sell him off. You have the Saints after the bye week. He's got a nice matchup this week against Arizona, but they have the bye week. Then you have the Saints. Then you have the Jets. You have the Tammy Buccaneers. And the Jets, numbers-wise, will tell you that they're, they're a good match for running backs. That, that's malarkey. They're not a good matchup. You're hoping, like, Eckler gets an opportunity to fall in the end zone a couple of times, and that's where all the points are coming from. And they're not actually a good matchup for running backs. So it was a tough street until we get to the post, the, play, the fantasy football post. Well, on the flip side, they're good matchups for throwing the ball to the running back versus running the ball to the running back, which well, we haven't favors Bijan or Algier. That's the one thing that has taken a hit since Taylor Heineke has taken over, where Bijan's getting half the targets that he was getting with Desmond Ritter back there. And that's been part of the problem over the past couple of weeks since Taylor Heineke has taken over. Man, like it's a little different. Say it again? They played Arizona last week too. I mean, I think what you're looking at is a team where they thought they could just run the ball and kind of dominate and be able to just kind of – play Arizona this week. They didn't play Arizona last week. They played them this week. It was Minnesota. Minnesota. You can't don't run. No one's been able to run dominate Minnesota this year. That couldn't have been your I think they thought they had a backup quarterback – that they were going to just try to keep the game close, not lose the hall, don't turn the ball over, run the ball, and they'll be able to squeak it out and win it easily. I think that's what they looked at. Versus Tampa Bay, you know you're going to throw the ball. You're not going to come out and run it over Tampa Bay. Ty Algier's not going to get the ball. You sure? Three Charles times. Is not going to do that? Well, I don't know. Uh, look, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of anything. I, I, definitely can't <laughs> I, mean, you know, I, I definitely can't argue that. But I think overall what I'm trying to get to is you talk about dumping them or you know, tough matchups. Who at the running back position – do you have so much higher over B. John Robinson or have much more confidence over B. John Robinson? Because no, that's the problem I'm looking at for moving off of him. And the other running backs, there's just not a lot of guys who are consistently doing good week in, week out, as it is. No, that's true. My point here is more so if you have Bijan and you're trying to make the playoffs and you just need somebody, it may not be another running back, whatever. You need somebody who just has more upside to help you get there. Because he's got the bye week and he's got three tough matchups till he get to the playoffs. It might have to be an option. It might have to be something you think about. And there's still people out there buying into the Bijan name. You might be able to get an overpay for more than you would think. I'm not I'm not hitting the button, the sell high button on Bijan. Because I don't know. First of all, I don't think he's a sell high. But second of all, I don't think he's somebody I want to sell. It's something I'd rather hold right now. And numbers-wise, talent-wise, usage-wise would tell me, and playoff match-wise, is that if anything, he should be a buy low. But I don't necessarily want to buy low on him either. And that's kind of the point I'm making. And that shouldn't be the case, especially in a guy like him. Anyway, that was my rant for this one. I didn't even get to go into the lines. The Falcons, believe it or not, are favoring this game. Tony Pollard, yeah. Well, I mean, Tony Pollard, at least, like, they're throwing the ball a lot, and he's not competing with stupid backfield, other backfield members who are getting shut down in goal line red zone situations. He's just not getting those red zone situations as much or failing to do so when he does get them. Bijan doesn't get the opportunity Tony Pollard does in the red zone. That's what's driving me crazy. Pollard gets him, fails. Okay, whatever. Bijan doesn't get that chance because he's too busy giving it away to Tyler Algier, who just falls flat in his face forward every time. Anyway, I don't know. What I just want to get on a whole thing about it again. I do got to give these lines. Atlanta Falcons, minus one. The over-under is 42. Uh, hello. We got Kyler Murray back in the building, and the Falcons are on the road. If you think they're going to win this game, Vegas, you haven't been watching anything from Atlanta all year long. Give me the Arizona Cardinals here in an outright win. Atlanta's been one in five as a one-point or more favorite all year. So they've been losing these matchups 
all year long. So I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray, by the way, I have him as a top 10 quarterback. I don't know if he's going to come out running. I do know he's going to come out throwing. I do know he's a decent quarterback. And I do know the rest of the quarterbacks this week suck. So, yeah, he's a top 10 guy. What do you think about that one, Adam? You're going to start Kyler Murray right away? I honestly think I probably would. And I, I more so than anything, I don't know if it's going to be the best week in the world from him, but I do think they're going to end up pass funneled. Um, this is a good run team. They're getting James Conner coming back off of injury. If you have any brain cells, then a semi-healthy James Conner against a good run defense is not something that you're going to try to force a t- ton of volume into. Uh, and I don't know how much interest they're going to have in rotating back. So I, I think this is ultimately going to be a high passing volume game for Kyler coming back. Um, so, so I think that is my reasoning more uh, than anything else. Yeah, Lance Falcons has given up the ninth most points to the quarterback position this year. It's the running game of they stuff. Nothing real, nothing really else. Chris, you're smiling over there. Go ahead. What, 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 what do you got? You guys are much more brave on Kyler Murray than I am. I am not touching Kyler Murray this week, and I want to see him behind his offensive line, first of all, in his Arizona attack. I think you're going to see a rude awakening that Kyler Murray is not going to do well in this offense. Uh, so here's what I have right behind Kyler. And I, and some of these guys are going to understand me make an argument for Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, Trevor Lawrence. If you want to make an argument for those guys over Kyler, fine. I'm not going to argue with these too much. But Russell Wilson against Buffalo, Will Levis against Tampa, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, Josh Dobbs, Jordan Love. Yeah, I'm going to take the shot on Kyler Murray over the, all those guys, which still put him as a top 12 quarterback. I would take Levis shot over them. I just don't think Kyler Murray is going to be anything very home about this week. I don't think you have to do a ton to get in the top 12 either. So that's kind of what's kind of fair, back very fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James Conner, if he does play, there still seems to be some back and forth as to whether or not they think he will, in fact, be activated. Well, he's activated off his 21 window, but activated for the game this week. He did have a limited participant in practice. You would rather have seen a full when you're coming off of a four-week injury if you're actually good to go. Something I'll be talking to Brian Scott about tomorrow. But if he plays, I do have him as a volume-based RB17 this week. Algier comes in at RB32 for me because, you know, he might he might actually get a chance to fall in the end zone unlike Bijan. Uh, Marquise Brown's a wide receiver too. Uh, I do know Kyler comes back. He's going to do what Dobbs was doing. And to a much, much, much lesser degree, what Clayton Toon tried to do against Baltimore last week. He's going to target Marquise Brown. He's going to target Trey McBride, who I also have a top 10 tight end this week. I am at number eight. And the rest of it will just be leftovers for everybody else. So I am starting Marquise Brown with some confidence as a top 24 receiver ahead of the ECR at 27. Anybody disagree with that? Okay. Uh, Drake London, if he plays, he was a limited participant in practice today, so that's a decent sign, especially for a Wednesday. I have him as a wide receiver 29, as a wide receiver 3 heading into this week. I did talk about Trey McBride. What I do love about this game is all the tight ends. Janu Smith, tight end 12. Kyle Pitts, tight end 11. Trey McBride, tight end 8. Those are pretty much all of your little low-level tight end one tier. It's all in this game right here. It's all in this game. Jen, Janu Smith, man, he just made me think of that Al Pacino line. Just what I think about, they pulled me back in. Because he just won't die. He just won't go away. You guys got any notes on these tight ends for the Falcons? I'm a little cautious about starting both the tight ends just because with London back in the offense, I'm curious to see how they kind of get that. In one team. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you, Chris. I, I understand what you're saying there. But that 
who cares? Janu Smith and Kyle Pitts have both been top 12 tight ends with Drake London out there on the field this year. That has been a thing. Just curious to see what Tyler Haneke is a quarterback. I haven't seen these guys all together and Janu Smith produce with Tyler Haneke, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts all healthy at the same time. You want to know who the two safest players on the Atlanta Falcons are? Janu Smith and Tyler Algier. Because Arthur Smith made them. He's their guy. So they're always going to be safe because Arthur Smith's a bum. Let's go to our next match. Oh, guys, I just want to give that. I just want them fired so bad. Anyway, all right. So we got Detroit and the Los Angeles Chargers here in this one. It is in Los Angeles. Detroit on the road favored at minus two and a half with an over under of 48 and a half. Detroit has been six and two against the spread and the Chargers never do what you think they're going to do. I'm going to take Detroit here to cover at minus two and a half coming off the bye week. If it wasn't for the Jets being the Jets, I don't think the Chargers would have won on Monday night because they didn't look particularly good to me. They just, you know, they're better than Zach Wilson and the crappy Jets. Justin Herbert, I am still playing him as a top five quarterback. I know it was rough. Um, I, I want to say this. The, the one thing I'll say about the Chargers, they weren't impressive at all, like I said. But there's been this weird backlash of like people trying to throw Herbert under the bus from a fantasy football industry perspective and like getting pissy with Quentin Johnston and like, I'm like, oh, Austin Eckler didn't look great, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, they were just playing the Jets, right? Like, I feel like a lot of that got like tossed away. Like, the Jets aren't some like upper echelon elite defense, which they are on a Monday night football game. And it was on the road where the Chargers never perform well where they go from west to east coast. Like, we know that, especially offensively. So I would have cut Justin Herbert and Keaton Allen and Austin Eckler and all those guys a little bit of slack. I mean, am I missing something here? Was that game so bad that you guys just like want to harp on them, Adam? No, not really. I, I agree with what you said. Uh, seems like expectations were a little high for them. It was the prettiest game in the world. No. Uh, did Herbert play especially well? No. Uh, was it so bad that I'm like dropping him for the rest of the season? No. Like, it's fine. I think it's more yeah, so, Dan, the combination of you haven't seen Justin Herbert have the big games. He hasn't been what people thought he was going to be. He has the, the offense in general isn't pushing the ball down. I feel like everybody expected this high flying offense to kind of explode. Austin Eckler isn't running the ball for shit right now. So I think when you look at the combination of things that are going on, it's people kind of being upset about what they've seen optic wise going into last week. I don't disagree. The Jets defense is great. They made everybody look like, you know, all the different quarterbacks look bad as Robert, you know, has pointed out earlier in the season. But I think, Overall, the Charger offenses hasn't done what you expect them to do. Quentin Johnson has been the no-show for the entire season. So I think you're getting a lot of people just kind of frustrated about what they've seen for these guys over time. Look, I understand that there's been that you would want to see more out of some of these other guys. I get all that. And part of this has to go in the equation that they lost Mike Williams earlier on. That's kind of throwing a monkey wrench into some of what they were trying to do. But on a points per game basis, Justin Herbert's still the number three quarterback in fantasy overall. So that's where I get lost at as far as having unreasonable expectations and acting like they didn't just play the Jets on Monday. I just, I just wanted to point it out because it seemed like it was the hatred was going a little bit strong. Uh, I do have Jared Goff as a top eight play this week as well, uh, which is, you know, hey, that's a testament to where Detroit Lions are because before I would never play golf no matter who it was on the road. Now, I actually don't fear it as much because I know play action's going to be there because this man... Especially in L.A. Huh? Especially in L.A. The cold weather is where you worry about Jared Goff the most. Yeah, right, yeah. No, 100%. But 
I'm especially happy because David Montgomery's back in the building. This is what we're going to get into, Chris. So he's my RB8. ECR's got him at 15. Apparently, people are more cautious than I am as far as what the roles between David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are going to be. And Gibbs was impressive in the last couple of games. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But David Montgomery's the number one running back in this role. Most importantly, he's the number one guy who's going to get the red zone looks in this offense, in this role. Chargers have allowed the 13th most points to running backs so far this year. Now, consequently, I'm also higher than ECR when Jameer Gibbs. They got him at 19. I got him at 13. I just think both these guys are borderline RB1s, high on RB2s. I think this is where the offense is going to flow from. Chris, how do you see this rotation breaking down now? Yeah, I think it's still going to be Montgomery predominantly because the red zone usage, as you talked about. And I just, I test-wise, Gibbs played really well. The team overall wasn't as impressive. They barely beat the Raiders by, you know, it was 26-2014. Um, they got blown out the week before. And when you see Gibbs play, his his he's definitely a good elusive guy. He had a lot of big, big play opportunities. But he doesn't necessarily bring the physicality that Detroit kind of seems to pride themselves in. And when Montgomery does play, the team plays much more aggressively, offensively, much more physically. So I think Montgomery's going to be the guy. But I think, to your point, both these guys are going to be able to eat for the rest of the season. And this is one of the more uh, confident backfields I, that I am in. And one of the tandem backfields, talk about the two guys, Zach Moss, and other guys rotating Kareem Hunt. This is an offense where I actually think the Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt kind of applies more so of a couple of years ago. No, and I think if you're a Jameer Gibbs owner, this is where you should get excited that Jameer Gibbs played well enough where I don't think we're going to have this scenario where Gibbs wasn't getting the role that he should have earlier in the year as the main pass catching back. I think he's played himself into a role. They now trust him on third downs. They trust him to protect the quarterback, and therefore we're going to see more of the split that we probably thought we would see in the beginning of the year with David Montgomery playing more of an early down red zone role, Jameer Gibbs getting more involved in the check down in the passing game and still getting sprinkled in for those eight to 10 carries during the game as well, which is why I'm also higher on Jameer Gibbs than the ECR is. I'm on Ross A. Brown. We love him. I got him as a wide receiver two this week. Keenan Allen, keep playing him as a wide receiver five volume guys, consistent floor guys. Quinn Johnson. This is where we're going to go to Adam here. Now, this is what was funny to me. Everyone's bashing Quentin Johnson. He's not getting involved as much as they would want him to do, or he's not being utilized as much as they would want him to do. Everything looked bad on Monday, and yet I got him at wide receiver 58, and ECR has got him at wide receiver 46. So still kind of putting him in that like wide receiver four dart throw territory, which I thought was kind of funny. Here's what I will say. Quentin Johnson, last week with no Josh Palmer, and Josh Palmer out for the next four weeks, did finally play, I think it was 92% of the routes, if I remember correctly. P- played like he's a starting wide receiver, 100%. It just feels to me that the Chargers desperately want him to be something he's not. And even though the last couple of weeks they started using him in the screen game, this past week against the Jets, they kind of got away from that. They just look like they want their offense. They want the guy opposite of Keenan Allen to be a big deep field threat guy. And with him not necessarily being that guy, they just don't seem like they know or care to use him how he needs to be used. Do you see it that way? Do you think without Josh Palmer, we'll be talking about Quentin Johnson in a better light soon? Or do you just think it's going to be more of the same? I think they have been trending in the right direction, kind of to your point with his usage this past week. Got a little bit away from it, but I mean, they were targeting him underneath when they did target him. They just didn't target him that often. Um, But... 
I think it gets better for him than at least it was the start of the season. And of course, actually playing helps. Um, I don't know if I'm going to see him in a role where I can, you know, looking at him from a fantasy perspective anytime soon, um, which is a little disappointing. I did like him coming in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think he makes up some positive ground. I don't know if it, he makes up enough for it to matter. Yeah, you know, I think that's fair. Uh, Dynasty wise, though, I still still love him. By the way, Stan Laporta, top two tight end for me this week, and Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, whatever you want to throw in there, trying to avoid that group of tight ends unless one of them were to fall at some point. Any other notes for this game, guys? All right, let's go to our next match. <laughs> This game's going to be quick. Uh, Giants take it on the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are 16-point favorites with an over-under of 38-and-a-half. And you know what? I'm going to take the over because I think Dallas drops 40 again in this game by themselves. That's why I'm taking the over in this matchup. I'm also going to take them to cover at minus 16. I think that one just kind of you know implied it had to go without saying. But Dallas is actually five and three on the over. We're looking for teams that actually create overs. Dallas creates overs. Might not be all offensive. Might be a couple defensive touchdowns. But this is is this not setting up for just a repeat of week one with Tommy DeVito? We're gonna like actually going into the game with DeVito as a starting quarterback against the Dallas freaking Cowboys. That's what's happening this week. That's what's happening this week. Chris, I know you gotta have get something off your chest, man. I I know you do. You know. Look, he talks about Arthur Smith and you had your rant earlier on. My rant is, you know, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks matter. Quarterbacks are important. And why we have to watch yet another shitty week of quarterbacks because people like DeVito are still in the league is blowing my mind and pissing me off now. I'm going to have to watch a primetime game of the Giants versus the Cowboys and watch a guy basically get annihilated versus Dallas. It's a four o'clock game. Does that make you feel any better? It's a four o'clock game. I got, I'm sorry, you're right. It's a four o'clock game. No, it doesn't make me feel we'll, any we'll better. We'll get to the primetime game in a minute. <laughs> because I'm, I'm so better because I watched the Giants last two weeks where we've actually forgot about the forward passes being involved in the NFL. We were playing rugby, basically. And it's it's painful, Dan. It's it's painful to watch. It's it's not football. It's it's almost like like I said, it's like watching rugby, and I cannot stand watching the Giants right now. I can't stand watching the poor quarterback play, and I am so irritated that we have to watch something like a DeVito play as a result of people having no value of backup quarterback position. <laughs> like, how how does this even happen? And I think this is where I, I am just so puzzled because, like, you shouldn't need to go ahead and bring in a Matt Barkley and try to get him up to speed because they allow you to have veterans on the practice squad now. Like, th this isn't an excuse. If this was an excuse, like, five years ago, sure, fine. You can just have, like, a third-string type guy on your practice squad. That is allowed. You can do it. <laughs> you never needed to have Tommy DeVito anywhere near an NFL roster because it's not like he's got some physical upside that having him on your practice squad, you're building towards. No. He sucks now. He'll suck 10 years from now. I'm sorry, but it's not happening, Giants. Exactly. And don't tell me it's not happening I'm, either. He's, he's so bad that I'm begging for Matt Barkley. That's the, the state that we're in. Like, Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> well, no, and I don't, don't blame the salary cap either for this whole situation because they have how many freaking slot corner or slot receivers they signed this offseason? Sterling Shepard's just being on that team for what reason right now? I mean, look at this. 
You look at the receiving core that they had and all the things they did offseason, just cut two of those dudes and actually have a backup quarterback. Instead, we have to watch this crap. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself, guys. I mean, just the fact that Tommy DeVito is going to be the starting quarterback heading into this thing. Just to quickly to play a little devil's advocate, Chris, your, your backup quarterback thing, at least in the Giants' case, it took two quarterbacks to get to this point. We well, saw the Rams. We saw the Rams and Matthew Stafford go right from Matthew Stafford to Brett Rippon, and that was so bad that they actually signed Carson Wentz and finally made a decent move. But we've had we've we've seen other teams like it takes one quarterback injury and nothing. I will say at least the Giants had a decent backup quarterback to their starter. Adam, to your point, which I think is what you're about to get to, is how does Tommy DeVito on your roster? Period. But even but even that, that, what I was gonna say is. When Daniel Jones goes down, then all right, fine. You know what? They did have a good backup, and I agree with you. But when Daniel Jones goes down, you go to Tyrod, then you need a decent backup to him. And I, you're not going to have a great option or even a good option, but better than Tommy DeVito. Yeah, you could have done better than him to back up Tyrod when Tyrod was the starter. And he did this with Jake Fromm. It's like they have no clue. They try to bring guys, and we hear about, well, they need to know our system. Why? Josh Dobbs looked better than these guys have all kinds of three or four years in your system and still suck. So we have to watch this for what reason? Yeah, no, totally agree with you. It is an epidemic in the NFL when it comes to the backup quarterback and the insanity in which it seems to be run by. 100% agree. As a result, you do want to play all of your Dallas Cowboys, especially the Dallas Cowboy defense in particular. Uh, Chris, actually, shouldn't we not hit this as the domination? Yeah, dominating defense. We might have to do this segment for the rest of the year, Dan, if DeVito's going to be the quarterback for the Giants week in, week out, <laughs> just to let you know. I, I do think it'll be Matt Barkley after this week. I, I, uh, that's going to be my hunch. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, <laughs> Dak Prescott's been on fire. I got my QB6. The only thing that concerns about Dak, about CeeDee Lamb, who I actually have as the wide receiver one on the week, about Jake Ferguson, who I have as the tight end seven. The only thing that would worry you is that it's such a blow? Like it was a week one that nobody offensively has to do anything. The, that that is the only thing I think in this situation that would potentially uh, worry you here. Um, I do have a note about Tony Pollard, but first let's go to a question we got here from TH Half Point PPR. Would you trade Keenan and Brees for Chase, Kenneth Walker, and Charbonnet? So you get the Seattle running backs and Jamar Chase. You're giving up Keenan Allen and Brees Hall. Adam, what do you think? I don't think so. Um, I mean, Chase is obviously a much better player, and it's from a you know a dynasty perspective, obviously there's a big difference. On the whole, in half point especially, you haven't really seen that large of a difference. Well, actually, it's been in Keenan's favor, um, but you, you wouldn't normally expect that large of a difference. Um, and then, I, Brees, you're just removing the consolidation of, of opportunities if you go from Brees to Kenneth and Charbonnet. Uh, no, I don't know. I I guess maybe if you you feel like you're a little safer with, uh, all right, if Walker goes down, then I already have his handcuff. But I, I think it's unnecessary, to be honest. I, I like where you're at currently. 
I tend to agree with you. It, look, Chase's schedule is not really that great coming up. Uh, like they have the Houston Texans this week, then you have the Baltimore Ravens. Steelers is nice, but the Jaguars are kind of stingy uh, against wide receivers. Colts, that's not bad. Vikings, Steelers again, and Kansas City Chiefs for the championship week. Like it's decent. It's not fantastic. And to your point, I don't know if I'm giving up Brees Hall, who looks like he might be a top three running back. Frankly, the rest of the way when I already have a top six wide receiver in Keenan Allen. Chris, you see that, you see that the same way too or no? Would you do this deal? Yeah, I'm more – I'd do the deal. I'm more tantalized. Adam talks about the t- more talented player in the trade. Jamar Chase is the most talented player in the trade, the most upside of the guys. I like the Seattle backfield tandem. I like to think you have the strong upside for both guys. So I like I would pull the trigger on a deal. I agree with Adam though that it's not necessarily a huge, you know, difference maker that you're gonna you can probably sit not like make a whole difference, but I do would pull the trigger to deal out. Okay, uh, so we got two to one with there, but yeah, either way, it's a fair deal. Either way, uh, Tony Pollard. So I have him at RB nineteen. ECR's got him at ECR's got which? What did you say? Because you're normal, you're actually looking at the stats. <laughs> well, I, here's the argument you can make for Tony Pollard, right? It's a good matchup, and the last time he scored was week one against the Giants, where he did it twice. That's the only time he's actually finished the top five running back. It was a blowout scenario. He got to fall into the end zone. You could definitely see a scenario in which he gets set up for that again this week. I'm not going to argue against that too heavily, but the Giants have been a little bit better against the rush than I think people realize, especially over the past three weeks, where they haven't allowed a team over a team, not just a player, a team over 100 yards rushing two of the last three. Oh, no, all three last weeks at all. They haven't. They've been actually tougher against the run because Martindale's been blitzing everybody. The defense has kind of shored up some things, a little bit of that run. And you also have a situation in which Tony Pollard has been already RB22 on a points per game basis. It hasn't been great. He hasn't been what you hope for. He hasn't been the efficient guy. And in his case, and not some others, it's not because he's necessarily splitting the work with other people. It's because the passing game has been more the focus, and he hasn't been very efficient with the opportunities that he's had. Pollard's an RB2. I don't think you can really make the argument that he's not. So, Chris, I heard your comment. Adam, what do you think? I, I agree. Uh, I, I think, to your point, you might see a little more volume this week. Just game script could point that way pretty quick. Um, so for this week, maybe you feel at least like a high two, but I think largely, um, yeah, I, I think you can't feel pretty confident in him week in, week out to be anything more than a volume driven on enthusiastic two. Now, even to your point about the, the, the game script this week, like we've seen the Cowboys in blowouts before. What winds up happening is Tony Pollard doesn't get to play the fourth quarter. So he's playing three quarters of football. That's what's also been killing him too. Like he has been even doing that great in positive game scripts because of that. So it, it's been a little frustrating there as far as that goes. Uh, obviously you're playing Saquon is the only guy I even have on my list and that you ever even care about. I don't know when he's going to fall off a cliff, Chris, because it's going to happen. <laughs> he keeps touching the ball 40 times a game. But he's a low in RB1 because at least you know the volume is going to be there. Um, I don't have anything else to this game. Do you guys? We got, I think you guys got it out of your system, right? Yeah. Yep. Got it. Moving on to the next one. We got the Washington Commanders taking on the Seattle Seahawks. This is another game like the Houston Cincinnati game that I think has a chance 
to be a shootout type of game. We've seen Washington throwing the ball quite a bit. Seattle finally has a good matchup here against Washington, who likes to do nothing but give up long passes. And Seattle, looking as an offense, is looking to kind of get right. Uh, Seattle is favored in this game at minus six and a over-under of 46.5. The trends would actually tell you to take Washington. The trends would tell you to take the under. I'm going to go against the trends here, and I'm going to take the over on the 46 and a half. I'm not taking Seattle minus six. Washington's been pe- pesky enough. I'm not going to take Seattle to actually cover here by a near touchdown, but I am going to take over on the 46 and a half. Cause I think this game has potential shooter upside. Uh, Geno Smith. I have as a top 12 quarterback, Sam Howell, top seven quarterback, the volume with Sam Howell has been incredible. I can't believe I have him this high, but this is where we are. Kenneth Walker, we actually got to talk about this a little bit. Chris, I'm going to kick this to you because you kind of commented on it. Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet has been starting to cut into Walker's workload a little bit. Maybe Walker's not 100% healthy. That could be part of it and probably is. I have an RB16 right now. I have Charbonnet right at my RB36 spot in the flex area. We, Even though Charbonnet is carving out a little bit of a role, and by the way, 56% of the snaps to 44% for Kenneth Walker. That's how I know Kenneth Walker is probably banged up. But I do think Charbonnet will be the pass catching back even when this whole thing gets sorted out like it was earlier in the year. Neither running backs are going to use that much. Maybe it was because of matchup. This should be a better matchup. This also should be a better match for the pass catching. Are we going to get to the point where we're using both Walker and Charbonnet and therefore Walker is no longer the RB1 he was earlier in the year? Or are you going to see a bounce back from Walker as soon as he's healthy? I don't think you're going to be using both of them at any point in this season. I don't know if Walker's necessarily going to bounce back to what he was either. I think because Charbonnet is actually going to have a role where he didn't have much of a role. We all expected him to kind of be more involved than he was earlier in the season. So I think you're going to kind of see him, you know, he was drafted high enough to be kind of involved in this offense. Seattle's rotate their backs. But I think Kenneth Walker is going to bounce back. A big part of this is the Seattle offense has been sputtering and hasn't been able to kind of move the ball. The offensive line play has been poor. Gene Smith's play has been poor. As a result, they're not getting the red zone. They're not getting opportunities to score touchdowns or score points. So these running games getting kind of forgotten about. I think as this offense kind of has easier matchups and as they kind of click a little bit better, DK Metcalf's a big part of that offense of what they got to kind of click. Um, then I think the running back will kind of get back in the track because the offense overall has enough weapons to kind of keep you honest. We've seen Kenneth Walker be able to get in spurts. So last year when he got banged up, when he when he gets healthy, usually he brings it back a spark in that offense. So I think he's still going to be a guy you like to have on your team. It's just... Your best offensive play when you're Seattle, by far, numbers-wise, is play action. You have to start setting that up again. And Washington's the perfect team who doesn't have much of a defensive line left to try to help and set that up. So that will be remain to be seen. I'm still playing Walker this week. Again, Gino, you, you, you mentioned DK. Uh, DK is somebody I'm lower than the ECR. ECR's got him at wide receiver 11. I understand the talent. I understand the matchup. But I got him at wide receiver 19. Metcalf's been slightly out-targeted by Lockett over the past few weeks. JSN has been getting targeted more and playing more. That's being the most important thing, going over 80% of routes over the past few weeks as they're getting him more involved, and it's taking away from DK Metcalf, and he's not necessarily hitting those big plays. He's in wide receiver 36 on a points-per-game basis, and he hasn't scored double-digit points since week four in half-point PPR bad for DK Metcalf. So while I know this is a big matchup, Adam, are you going to be that confident where you make him a low-end wide receiver one, or you're more on my end as a low-end wide receiver two, frankly? 
Yeah, I think I'm closer to your end. And I, I think it's the things that you said. And to add to that, this to me feels like a game that I, I'm more, I think Seattle will put up points. I don't think, I'm not fully confident the commanders don't get put out of this thing very quickly. Um, just the pass rush as a whole. Uh, and because of that, I'm kind of curious if Seattle needs to pass that much in the second half. Um, so uh, I'm a little uh, concerned uh, when it comes to DK. I, I just think, I mean, we already saw them kind of have uh, this issue with in the Bengals game where it just became a sack fest. I think it might be that, but one-sided because Seattle's you know not going to have that problem on on their offense. If they were playing better, I would say yes. Washington's been feisty enough, and Seattle hasn't playing very great. Where it's hard for me to picture. Not that it couldn't happen when you look at these two teams on personnel wise, but. It just hasn't really clicked enough for me for Seattle to think that they're going to blow them out, especially the way Washington's been able to hang around in games. Their their pass rush has been pretty good, though, and Powell's getting hit at, like, a historical rate, and obviously that's been happening in every game. Um, but, I mean, you've seen it. Other other than the Eagles, which are an aberration, he pops off in the games where with weaker pass rushes and gets kind of slowed down in the games where they're genuinely good pass rushes. No, I have no explanation for Philadelphia. That one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, the explanation there is the commanders always find a way to play Philly tough. That's the only explanation. Divisional rival. Uh, Brian Robinson still a volume-based RB2. If last week was any indicator, he could probably fall into the end zone a couple of times. I am playing Lockett as a low-end wide receiver too. Jahan Dotson, I have met wide receiver 30. Uh, as long as he is good to go. I will say, though, Curtis Samuel being back in the mix, we might have to temper expectations because Dotson's value has risen up when Curtis Samuel's been out of the lineup. So keep an eye on that. If Curtis Samuel is available, you might have temper expectations on Jahan Dotson. This is the highs I've had. JSN ranked all year. I do have him at wide receiver 35. Heavy bye weeks, partly to do with that. Match up the other part to do with that. Him playing more, the other part to do with that. Not excited to play him. Wouldn't want to try to play him, but I do have him as a low-level flex play. Uh, you guys have any other notes on this game? We do have a question coming in from Antonio. So he's got Herbert, Kyron Williams, and Amari Cooper for Lamar, Devonta Smith, Deontay Johnson, and Jerome Ford in a full-point PPR league. Chris, would you do this deal? So he's got what? Herbert, Kyron Williams, and Amari Cooper for Lamar, Devontae, Deontay, and Jerome Ford. Yes, I would do that deal. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, I'm, one, I'm 100% with you. First, we get the four to the three. You're not getting a drop off at all. Quarterback, Kyron Williams still has a couple more weeks before he's back. Mark Herbert's been good, but Devonta with no Dallas Goddard. Deontay's been back in action. Jerome Ford looking like Jerome Ford again. I, yeah, Antone, go ahead and uh, pull that trigger. That seems like a no-brainer. Let's head to our next matchup. <laughs> Dan, real quick, I like Brian Robinson as a play this week for for the Washington in the backfield as well. I, I do too. I have him as a top twenty four running back. Uh, I just because you know, again, volume, touchdown, the touchdown dependency. Uh, definitely a guy I have in my starting lineup this week. Chris, this was the other New York team that you were trying to think of for the Sunday night game. It's the Jets and the Raiders. I, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I, I misunderstood, but I thought starting week ten, the NFL had the ability to flex games out. Am I wrong about this? I thought so too. Because who in the hell 
in their right mind, if you had the ability to flex this out, would actually stick the Jets and Raiders on Sunday night friggin' football. Like, I, like, if you had the ability to flex this game out, this game should have been flexed out. And it should have been flexed out for, like, the, the Niners-Jacksonville game or the Cincinnati-Houston game or something, anything. Jets, the Jets and the Raiders. Woof. Um, the Jets, by the way, on the road, and this is my underdog special, they're favored at minus one. I know, basically a pick them. I'm taking the Raiders at home. Like, we, like the, can the Jets move the ball? Do they do anything with Zach Wilson? Like, the Raiders' defense actually hasn't been bad. And we're talking about a team that looked like they had the weight of the world off of their shoulders last week. Holy crap. They were celebrating like they won the Super Bowl with Josh Daniels out of the freaking building. That was amazing. Uh, yeah, so uh, over under, by the way, 36. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, take the under on that because this might be a 9-6 to six ball game, which won't be great for fantasy. Well, here's what I want fantasy-wise. I want Brees Hall. He's my RB3. I want Josh Jacobs. He's my RB10. And then we had to talk about the wide receiver. So you probably have to play, but don't necessarily want to play. So we got Devontae Adams here. Chris, I know you're your fellow Devontae Adams owner, so I'm going to give this one to you, and then I'll talk to Adam about Garrett Wilson in a second. But uh, ECR's got him at wide receiver 17. I got him at wide receiver 24. 24 for Devontae Adams. Now, that still means he's a starting wide receiver too, technically speaking. But I'm not going to have any confidence in this. The Jets are the number one defense against wide receivers. And yes, Adams has had a 31% target share with Aiden O'Connell. 31% target share for for the year. Frankly, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. Hasn't really amounted to much. And he hasn't finished inside the top 24 since week four. So why is he wide receiver 17 in ECR? I think it's more a hope that he could do something, but I think it's you look at this Jets matchup, like you alluded to, it's been terrible. I'm not so worried about Devontae Adams, I'm worried about the quarterback play. I mean, the quarterbacks should have been in a situation that the quarterbacks still preclude passes. We've seen great star quarterbacks be look average versus run defense or versus Jets defense. So that's my concern. Devontae Adams, I think the target share could be there. I think the you know the opportunity in the sense of the offense will be there, but the you can't score points, you're not necessarily getting big yards. Then what are you really going to do? So I'm with you, Dan. More of a receiver two, more borderline receiver three. Unfortunately, in this matchup because of the defense that you're facing, it was very it was very disappointing last week because I had Devontae Adams as a buy low. Now part of it I know was game script. Like the Raiders came out, they blew the doors off of the Giants. Didn't necessarily have to throw the football. Adams did still lead the way with the seven targets. I get it. Some of that was definitely circumstances. And Aiden O'Connell still showed that his favorite guy is going to be Devontae Adams. So we're not really too worried about as far as usage-wise goes. But it was still just very disappointing because he doesn't have a lot of great matchups until he gets to the playoffs on top of it. And he's got a bye week in week 13. So something to keep in mind at with Adams no longer on my buy low list. Garrett Wilson, Adam. This is another one. They got him at wide receiver 15. 15. I love Garrett Wilson, too, but he's my wide receiver 25. He's not a must-play wide receiver, too. He's a flex play. I, I, I know. Look, he's 32% target share. Talk about Adams at 31, 32%. By the way, these numbers, if you don't know for target shares, these are elite numbers. These are like these are what you're supposed to get out of your top five wide receivers in the entire league, 31 and 32% team target shares. Just, just, just an FYI. The usage is there, but he's still only been a wide receiver three. He hasn't scored a friggin' touchdown since week two. And the Raiders are seventh least fantasy points against the wide receivers. So why is he a wide receiver too? And wide receiver fifteen. Adam, what do you got here? Well, what's fitting about this 
So you said their uh, their target shares are 31 and 32. I believe they're also wide receivers in points per game, 31 and 32. Um, oh, so explain be. to me about how that works, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think you're wrong. I And I don't think for Zach Wilson this gets much better. I think that there's, you know, some things to be hopeful for when it comes to uh, Devontae Adams. I, you mentioned the game script. I think, um, you know, Pierce is is a lot more simple and just let's get ball to star players. I think that is his goal. Um, I don't think he's going to get much deeper than that, trying to overthink things, which is something that Hackett does do. He do- will overthink everything. Will not dumb it down to Breeson, Wilson, get ball, nothing else happens. Um, and obviously the Zach Wilson of it all between those things, I don't know how much better it gets for Garrett Wilson, who looks awesome, by the way, when he does actually get the ball. Um, just if anyone was curious about that part of it, uh, I I said it before with Hopkins and now that there's been a quarterback switch, it's coming to fruition. This isn't a Garrett Wilson problem. This is a Zach Wilson problem. Wrong Wilson. It's not Devontae Adams problem either. All right. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Just just incredibly frustrating. I know you guys want to put them up there, but you got to temper these expectations when you're making your star set decisions. If not just for these spots, and I've talked about this before, for other places in your lineup where maybe you have to decide if you need a floor or an upswing type of play elsewhere based on your expectations of what you have in your lineup. That's why you need these rankings, you need these projections to be within a reasonable realm and not over-projecting potential and thinking that you have more than what you got. So I've talked about that before in the past. Uh, Jacoby Myers, not somebody I want to try to play this week. I have him at wide receiver 38. I know he ran a touchdown in. You want to go ahead and count on that? Be my guest. I'm not playing Michael Meyer or Tyler Conklin. Any other notes for this abysmal of a game here, guys? I would consider Conklin. You would consider Conklin based on what and why? The involvement, I mean, outside, Adam talked about the offense not dumbing down. I think this offense is very dumbed down, Adam. It's Garrett Wilson, Reese Hall, Todd Conklin. That's about three guys who get involved. Todd Conklin's one of the guys who actually Zach Wilson looks for pretty consistently. And as, as the quarterback has better, probably the best upside of the whole offensive players in general for the Jets offense. Well, when I say that, I, it's kind of like a dumb down, but not dumb down. You have to be creative about how you get them the ball, but you dumb it down in the sense these are the only people that get the ball. So I think they got one part of that correct, and then it's how you well, get them. A big not part creative of it, in how they get him the ball. <laughs> a big part of it is they actually have to score touchdowns after more than one play. So far, they have, what, eight touchdowns this entire season, and all eight touchdowns have been on one play. They have not been able to have a drive ending the touchdown yet this entire season, so... Yeah. Uh, again with the Conklin, I'm not. There's no way I'm playing Conklin. I'm not. I'm not considering him at all. He, he's he's had one 12 finish this entire year. He's been tight in 20 most weeks, uh, including just as recently the uh, this past week he was tight in 15. That was the second highest finish of the year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking the Conklin way either. Uh, let's go to our last matchup for tonight. <laughs> The Denver Broncos are taking on the Buffalo Bills here. The Bills are favored at minus seven and a half with an over under of 47. You know, believe it or not, the Broncos have actually been a bit feisty over the past few weeks leading into their bye. And, you know, the Bills haven't necessarily always looked sharp over these past few weeks. They look kind of sharp that Thursday night game, but still only put up 24 points. Didn't look great against Cincinnati here. Uh, 
I'm going to take the Broncos to cover minus seven and a half. I don't think the Bills blow them out by more than a touchdown. That's basically what that comes down to. They're not playing sharp enough right now. I do have Josh Allen as my number one quarterback this week. Russell Wilson's a streaming option for me at QB 13. Javante Williams is the guy I'm going to be curious about on the Denver side the most coming out of the break because we saw him, you know, go off with his usage finally going through the roof before the bye. We're going to have to see, is that stay consistent? Because Buffalo is a team you've been able to run on. And I'm going to go on the side of, well, I think it stays consistent enough, where I do have him as an RB12 this week, four spots ahead of ECR. Guys, let's talk a little James Cook. I know we talk about James Cook a lot, but I wasn't here, wasn't able to talk to you guys about the whole Leonard Fournette thing and, and, all, and all that stuff. That's not even the issue here anymore. They're letting Josh Allen run. So now James Cook has to deal with Leonard Fournette eventually getting a role. Latavius Murray still having a role. Josh Allen now running on top of it. And yet ECR's got the audacity to still rank him as a top 20 running back this week. He's already 27. I wouldn't even really want to play him if I could. And don't give me the matchup against Denver. Okay? They had that, yes, they had the 70-point game against Miami. It looked atrocious. They've been actually stingier against run games over the past few weeks leading into the bye, especially the last three weeks heading into the bye. So, Adam, when you look at this, is James Cook a play for you? Am I missing something here? I mean, I think he's a playable guy. I don't know. Right. I don't wouldn't put him in a must uh, play situation. He said 27. I think that's pretty fair because uh, he is volume dependent, and I don't know how much volume uh they're gonna get i think you're kind of hoping for a super positive game scripts and to your point this this denver team has been feisty lately now i i don't know i i don't know how much i trust the denver offense to keep them in this um but i i think that's kind of where it comes down to um is what what version of the buffalo offense uh shows up uh because if they only drop 24 and then denver scores 10 then you're not going to really get a positive enough game script for them to just dump it the uh dump it to him over and over uh for rushing volume because i think you would be volume dependent and with josh allen running you're not getting said volume no agreed agreed yes i mean as far as the line goes if buffalo actually decide to show up they'd cover this no problem they haven't decided to show up since the miami game and that's kind of been the issue uh the only other notes I have is because I mean, you're playing Stefan, Cortland Sutton's a wide receiver three, Jerry Judy's a wide receiver three. Chris, I'd have Gabe Davis outside of my top 36 receivers this week. I, I know it's the Gabe Davis train. I know when he has a bad week, he bounces back for a good week to follow. But the dude had two targets and nothing, nothing last week. I, I don't know how you can feel good about playing him when he's going to be the guy more than Stefan Diggs because the way this thing matches up is going to see Sertan because Sertan doesn't shadow. I don't know. You, you, you can't play? like you can't feel good about playing Gabe Davis. If you feel good about playing Gabe Davis, that's when you have to venture. No, that's probably true, Adam. But Chris, what do you think? Yeah, look, I understand the is the Gabe Davis, you know, training in a sense. The Buffalo offense is a train. I think that we're seeing the, the fact that they can't figure out who they are from week to week. But I do see the bounce back opportunity for Gabe Davis. I'm not scared of the matchup versus Denver. I'm not scared necessarily Sertan. Um, and I also think the squeaky wheel, in a sense, will get some oil this week as well. Gabe, there's a lot of talk about Gabe Davis only getting two targets last week. Why is that happening? What's going on with this offense in general? So I think Gabe Davis is a guy that I'm not necessarily making sure I have to have in my lineup, but is a guy I'm not afraid to have in my lineup either. 
Yeah, I just when a guy gives you zero, I don't think you need to have him in your lineup. So pick and choose what options you have. We always know it always takes one play for him. Uh, Don Kincaid is the top three tight end because, and that's part of the reason why Gabe Davis outside my top thirty-six. Kincaid looks like he's become the second pass catcher on this team right now, at least until Dawson Knox gets back. I don't know how that was to cite that. Adam, with Don Kincaid, is it Kincaid now the second pass catcher? Or do you think it snaps back to Gabe Davis? Because that's really the debate you're having here. Yeah, I I think it will stay Kincaid. I think this is I think it fits the role that they're looking for more so. Uh, Kincaid does, uh, and I think it allows Gabe Davis to kind of return to being uh, someone that is pushing the ball down the field. Um, yeah, I, I think Kincaid's going to have the more consistent role. I don't think that Knox necessarily changes too too much. Um, yeah, I, I feel good about Kincaid. All right, so that's going to do it for our show, but we're going to cap it off on a question here by Chandler. He's got Fields, Keenan Allen, ETN, Kittle, for Herbert, Eckler, St. Brown, and Kincaid. Chris, would you do this deal? No. Look, I understand Justin Fields is banged up, so maybe if I'm desperate at quarterback and I want to upgrade immediately because I need the quarterback, I'm going to pull the trigger. Otherwise, I think Keenan Allen and St. Brown are pretty much a wash in the same in the sense. ETN has been more productive. I know Eckler has returned to being healthy, but the offense hasn't looked necessarily great with him. And while ETN has been the star of his entire season, Kittle to me is better than Kincaid. I know Kincaid's doing well. PPR has you know 10 catches last week. But overall, I'm still going to go with the upside guys, so I would not pull the trigger on this deal. I agree with that because outside of Christian McCaffrey, the biggest gap player you can have that the rest of the field right now is Travis Etienne over everybody else. And I'm, I'm not giving up that asset for nothing right now. And even at quarterback, you can still find other streaming options, even in a week like this. All right. So that wraps up the show for today, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. As we get into week 10, make sure you come back tomorrow at 9 30. We're going to have Brian Scott on to talk about the injuries. And we're also going to have Chaz Filardi from uh, sports betting weekly to talk about our best bets of the weekend. Chris will join me in the second half of that show as well. I'll be back on Sunday night at 10 30 with Chase Thornton to talk about our recap action from week 10 from the Sunday and Thursday games. So make sure you tune in for all of that. Download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Everybody, good luck. We'll see you again tomorrow night. 